Hello, and welcome to The Vinyl Floor. I'm Christian. I'm Randy. How are you, Randy? Doing all right, man. Had a uh, little bit of a, a lazy Friday uh, working from too. home today, so yeah, it's pretty pretty nice. It was nice. I, I made it out to the record shop today. The record shop. Yeah. We actually have a lot. We're blessed with quite a few record shops in Atlanta. There are, yeah. There's uh, a lot. <laughs> I guess there's always a lot in the Bay Area, too, but... True. That's I guess fair. it always just felt like they were in inconvenient parts of town, like uh, the Haight-Ashbury uh, District. It was, like, not super easy to get to. I think um, I just... Yeah, because you're... Wait, where? You're from what part? Uh, exactly. Essentially, I, like, grew up uh, 35, 40 minutes east of um, Oakland. Okay, okay, okay. So, like... About an hour from San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've been to... Uh, I stayed in Oakland with Hannah's family the first time I went okay, to California. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then went to San Francisco proper for work stuff. And I was able to go to Amoeba every time nice. that I went there. And it rules. Yeah, yeah. They it's have a straight up. great Amoeba in the city. And then there was, I think, both an Amoeba and a Rasputin in Berkeley. But it's also like... A part of town that's not like been to super convenient to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And everything was kind of a pain in the ass to get to that I wanted yeah. to do. <laughs> totally. Uh, but before before we move on to the episode proper, I do want to give a shout out to the record shop that I had uh, just said was uh, Disorder Vinyl in Atlanta. If you're interested in any sort of, they, they are not a sponsor, but yeah. if you are interested in any sort of uh, uh, hardcore punk metal alt music they have a ton of indie rock and pop and stuff hip-hop too uh check them out they're uh in edgewood they they rule if you know atlanta at all you'll know where that is so uh today as we mentioned last time we're diving into uh aesop rock not his discography i don't own everything the man has done by any means he's done a lot but i do own uh what is it five albums by him yeah and good chunk. It's a decent chunk, and I it, I really think that it covers a pretty solid uh, scope of what sure. he's done. Yeah. Uh, though the stuff before Bazooka Tooth is noticeably more raw than oh, okay. Bazooka Tooth. Like Bazooka Tooth, in my opinion, because I went back and listened to uh, he's got this. Now I want to make sure it came out before. It did come out before. Okay, good. Uh, he's got this EP called Daylight that came out before Bazooka Tooth that I absolutely fucking love. And then he's got uh, Float and Music for Earthworms and Appleseed. He's got a bunch of stuff before it that uh, Bazooka Tooth is by no means um, like a wild leap from what he was doing, but it's definitely yeah. a more um, packaged and polished and uh, uh, consumable type situation. Um, and I th- that's where we're going to start today mm-hmm. is with, uh, Aesop Rock's 2003 album, Bazooka Tooth. Bazooka Tooth baby. Now, Randy, uh, before I go on about this album, were you familiar? I know you knew who Aesop was, but were you familiar with his music much at all before today or before this episode? Uh, not that I know of. I'm sure that I had heard it, um, from friends that I grew up with that were really into him. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really like going through the five albums. I hadn't really like remembered hearing anything. Nothing really stood out for you. I mean, he's never had like a hit, like 
it by yeah. the proper definition of that. Sure. Um, and I actually learned through this, he wasn't on, he never did any like late night TV or anything until, um, uh, spirit world field guide. Oh, wow. I believe it was that. No, 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 no. Sorry. It was, uh, for, uh, the impossible kid. Yeah. So it wasn't until fricking 2016 that, and it was on Colbert late night on Colbert. Oh, okay. Um, We'll get to that a little later. I was going to mention that a little later, but yeah, uh, I was curious because you had said prior that you were like vaguely familiar, but I was curious if anything would stand out as something that you were like, oh, I've definitely heard this before. And it turns out, nah. Nothing. No. Um, Yeah. I don't know. For me, like, like I kind of mentioned last week, I just wasn't ever like super well versed in hip hop and rap and stuff. And I think part of that is that when I listen to music, I don't really hear lyrics like I hear them, but I'm not really like, it's not what I focus on. I think from starting playing drums when I was like 13, that's fair. I'm just always like focusing on like sort of like the beat and sort of like counting and stuff. So something that is so full of lyrics, sometimes it just like, I don't know, maybe just like goes over my head or it kind of like, it's hard for me to focus on like the meat, which is like a lot of like the lyrics and like references and everything. Yeah. And to go off that, if you're more in tune typically with focusing on the, the beat or whatever, uh, these are very repetitive a lot of the time. So if you're going to focus on that and try to drown out the lyrics, yeah. Uh, that can be tough when it's kind of the same thing over and over. over. Um, thankfully I think though, uh, the musical bed that Aesop, uh, raps over is quite diverse and interesting. (laughs) No, for sure. Yeah. He, uh, he, once you know his stuff, you can easily point him out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think that, uh, you could hear his voice or his production on something and not be like this sound this is this is <laughs> like at least for me but again i've been a fan since i i wasn't a fan when bazooka tooth came out or even when actually i know i probably got into him around when none shall pass came out in 2007 okay. um, because that is when my friend showed me the album we were still in high school i graduated high school in 2010 so that would make sense that around that nice. year yeah um so Aesop Rock, uh, his name is actually Ian Bavitz. He's uh, 46 years old. He is from New York, and he has been he's been doing his thing as Aesop since frickin' 1996-ish, I think. Um, I don't know exactly when um, he like technically hit the scene, but his first album came out in 1997, and Bazooka Tooth is his uh fourth album oh, wow. so yeah we're starting a little bit deep technically into his uh discography but this is the daylight ep is the furthest that i went back originally um i knew float vaguely but the daylight ep is like really what i sunk my teeth into and uh none shall pass was my introduction to him uh, but there's a couple songs on here uh there's actually really one song on here in particular that i was obsessed with and I'm still a huge fan of listening to it now. Uh, constantly on repeat growing up. And this feels so of a time to me because music doesn't sound like this anymore. Sure. Especially yeah. in the landscape of hip hop. 
yet it also feels completely i don't want to it's timeless like it it feels organic in a way that i don't know the production now doesn't feel this real it doesn't feel this organic i I don't really know how else to describe it it really took me back to a different time randy i was feeling very nostalgic Oh well, yeah, around uh sounds like when you were in high school, yeah, or it's about wild, to graduate, man. yeah. Yeah, close. I think if it was 2007, so that would be probably around my sophomore junior year. Yeah. This album uh I have the uh 2013 Triple LP reissue. And I got to say up front, when I bought it, I did not realize it was a Triple LP. And I got a problem with that. <laughs> I got a big problem with that. I feel well, you. We are going to get to it again uh, next week, actually, <laughs> for a double LP that had no business being a double LP. <laughs> and now we have a triple LP that has no fucking business being a triple LP. Yes, Bazooka Tooth is an hour and 10 minutes long. Right? That's, that's a long ass album. It is, yeah. There's no reason it needs to be a triple LP. Why, Randy, is there no need for this to be a triple LP? What is the issue at hand? Do you know why this is the bane of my existence? Uh, what what speed is it played at? It's played at it's played at 33. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know why then. Two songs per side. The amount of flipping. One side has three songs. A huh. couple, two sides have three songs. The amount of flipping that you have to do to get through this album. Like right when you get into a groove, it's stand up and flip the record. Weird. And it's because I guess each, uh, the songs are long. That is something we're going to get to. Yeah. Aesop doesn't have short albums or short songs really until uh, Malibu Ken's a pretty short album. But this thing, any, I was sitting down, writing notes, listening, getting into a groove, done. <laughs> sitting down, writing notes, getting into a groove, done. Oh, weird. Oh. Double LP. Just make it a fucking double LP. No idea why. Yeah. Anyway, artwork's awesome. It's uh, opening it up. It it feels good. That's the best part about a triple LP is that it feels really heavy. Uh, and I told this to Randy off air. I'm not going to get into it, but my my collection got a little bit of water damage while we were doing this, and I'm not happy about it. I don't <laughs> want to get into it. But Bazooka Tooth was completely spared. That was the one that was actually not... Nice. Uh, it was next to not a part of the group and it missed the water. Uh, okay. The water missed it. Uh, Bazooka Tooth, baby. <sighs> they say that a lot on this album. Bazooka Tooth, baby. And that's one of my favorite things about it. <laughs> Bazooka Tooth, baby. It's good shit. Uh, I don't really know a lot of the history. I really, I tried to look into Aesop stuff. Someone needs to write like a definitive article or, or do a doc about this guy. Cause yeah. there's not a ton that I could find. Albeit I'm not a researcher. Albeit I have a full-time day job and a band and I got a, and a wife and I got other <laughs> shit I got to do. So I can't devote a ton of time to something we do for fun. So I did my best <clears throat> and all I can say, uh, up front is that the progression that starts with Bazooka Tooth and ends with uh, the most recent album in the collection that I have, which is Spirit World Field Guide, is a very interesting trip. 
because on Bazooka Tooth, we see Aesop working probably in overdrive at what he is most known for, which if you're not aware is his wildly expansive and verbose vocabulary. Yeah. There's a pretty well-known viral video that went around of somebody saying, looking for the rapper with the biggest vocabulary and Aesop stood about, stood out by like hundreds of words, uh, at number one. Um, yeah, I read over that part in the Wiki- Wikipedia article. Yeah. And something that I guess I just never realized is that uh, the word vo- verbose is kind of like derogatory. Not like oh. derogatory, but it's supposed to be, it's essentially like the definition is like, not, is like not good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, interesting. I never really thought of verbose being like sort of like a, a I hesitated to use it because I was like, I don't know if this is doing what I think it is. And there, it says, I was right. Speech or writing that uses more words than necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's flowery for no reason. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. I'm going to keep that in mind for my own writing. Not that I'm flowery. I'm going to use that word to, anyway. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but to that point, uh, this album and None Shall Pass, uh, which we'll get to shortly are very much him firing on all cylinders of words. If you sit down and follow along with the lyrics, which I did my best to do, it's also tough because he raps very quickly um, and gets a lot of words in a matter of seconds. Yeah. The earlier stuff is lyrically harder to grasp. Um, because of how much he's throwing at you at once, the speed, the presentation of it all is a bit overwhelming. Sure. Uh, I hadn't really sat with his stuff for a minute. Uh, I'll talk about the one, the stuff that I have been sitting with of his more so. So I haven't, what I mean is I haven't sat with his earlier stuff as much recently, but I, I found it hard to follow. Um, kind of like you, I couldn't latch on to a lot of, is flow because yeah. of how much was going on. And I had to read the lyrics to like yeah. figure out. And they're like essays. Oh my God, they are. Which I also ended up really enjoying. I will say sure. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a longtime fan, I, I found it very uh, rewarding to return to these records and actually for the first time in years, like sit with the lyrics. And it, mm-hmm. it, it was cool. I had a really good time doing it. He tightens up. I feel as he goes on in albums and he gets significantly more personal. Okay. These, these earlier bazooka tooth and none shall pass are incredible to me. Uh, none shall pass specifically, but they feel like they're also at an arm's length emotionally. Okay. Yeah. They are very, uh, observant and, and smart and witty and funny. He's got a lot of really humorous lines, uh, bars i should say i think i kept writing chorus yeah and i think i it should be the hook okay yeah right? i think that probably makes more sense in this in, situation in the terminology yeah. yeah so and i've seen i've seen it being interspersed sometimes he refers to it as a chorus sometimes he refers to it as a hook so huh. i don't know do you Either uh way. do you want to hear my very um non-rap educated white guy uh, observation that i had while listening to this uh, on a walk the other day you know i do 
so I, yeah, like I said, I was, I go on like an hour long walk most days that I like don't walk uh, if I'm working from home. This is Bazooka Tooth in general or him in general? I think, I think I was listening to Bazooka Tooth and there was like things that I would catch up, catch, you know, while he was rapping. I think there was like a uh, Fugazi reference. I think there was a one, two, three repeater yeah. Oh, in yeah, a song. Yeah. And then I like focused on that. Then I've like noticed myself not listening to like what he was saying after that because I was like, oh, hey, cool. I was yeah. like, I know he's a New York kid. Like then my mind started like racing to see like if he like maybe saw Fugazi back in the day. But essentially uh, the density of his lyrics, I was thinking is very much like the density of jokes in 30 Rock. Because <laughs> there's so many jokes in that show where you're laughing and then they make a joke like while you're responding yeah, to you that can. joke. And then so you have to like watch the show like five times to I mean, like that, get everything. That show is one of the best shows to rewatch. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I, I haven't done a full rewatch because Hannah's not a huge fan of it because she hasn't done the work. Yeah. <laughs> but I... Oh my god, dude! That show's so fucking funny. That's, <laughs> so I love that. I love that analogy. Hell yeah. That's great. That that hits. But yeah, he uh, definitely was. He references Discord uh, uh, on another. I don't. I okay, don't yeah. think I noted it, but I caught it this time. I'm sure he probably like went to CBGB back in the day. He refers to himself as like a punk or a hardcore kid throughout lyrics and things like that. Yeah. So he he was around. Like he was in the alt scene for sure. And his brother was a, uh, a metalhead. Oh, cool. So, uh, we'll get nice. to a song that describes that more later. But right off the bat, Bazooka Tooth uh, starts with the track uh, Bazooka Tooth. Bazooka Tooth, baby! And the, it's a good cut. I really enjoy it. I think it opens the album really well. Got solid lyrics. Uh, pretty standard Aesop rock track for the era. Yeah. If you're into him, you know what that means. Uh, they reference, you'll hear this, uh, Death Jukes a lot, which is uh, just the label that they're on. Um, that is uh, Definitive Jukes. Okay. Yeah. So Death Jukes is uh, where himself and a lot of the rappers are. Later, it becomes Rhyme Sayers, I think. And that, I don't know if that's know his that, own yeah. thing. Yeah, but he's been on that, I believe, for a while. Um, yeah. Uh, Aesop self-produced uh, this. He works with other producers off and on quite a bit, but uh, this track, actually the majority of this album is produced by him and his frequent collaborator Blockhead does, I think, like four or five tracks. And uh, a familiar name, LP, will pop up here. Then we go to uh, New York Electric. Another track that I just really enjoy, the line that I pulled from it, uh, is I'll spend my last dollar on me. His his version of like braggadocio, yeah, is so cutting and like nonchalant, and I love it. I love it. His I find a lot of humor in what he's doing, uh, and it's all done within this like really, as I said earlier, organic, old sounding realm. Mm-hmm. That again still feels modern because it's fucking timeless, and a, a lot of it is built from samples that he's he's pulling and from established music or unknown music of of established eras that have proven to be timeless. And it's 
it's really fascinating. He releases a lot of these, um, I don't know of every album, but I know of a good handful of them. He releases them instrumentally oh, cool. as well. So, cause he's a DJ. Yeah. Um, and which is also why I thought about this earlier and I forgot to bring it up. That also might be why, um, this is a triple LP. Ah, uh, okay. so it's easier for DJing. That would make sense. I, I guess. have no yeah. idea. I don't DJ. I've never done it. Huh. N- never w- will. If my DJing will be like all the DJs in Atlanta, not the actual DJs, but the come to DJ night, which is sure. some yeah, dude yeah. in a metal band with his metal collection hitting play on a record <laughs> player and then going, yeah, I got another one queued up. Uh, yeah. So his lyrics from the very beginning, if you're into them again, they can be kind of hard to follow, but just sit with them in front of you. If you have that attention span and, uh, I, they'll be very rewarding. Uh, the one that I started pulling the most from was no jumper cables, which was a standout track to me years back. And I was very excited to sit with it again. The, uh, stuff that I got from it was wired underagers play box cutter facelift, uh, which the stuff that he was talking about in 2003 is it's stupid how relevant this shit still is. So to me, wired underagers play box cutter facelift is a mix of, uh, like drug addled youth. Sure. Who's too violent and drug addled youth who is trying to, uh, crudely change themselves to fit something. Uh, and then another line from that same song is curators cater to killers of innovators which is a great line, but then he has to throw in his, his, he's the best, which is, I'm a staple, which is sick. (laughs) Very fucking good. And then immediately after that, I wrote two songs per side is annoying as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) That is super annoying. Yeah, it was not great. I love the repetition of Bazooka Tooth as a call throughout the album. Bazooka Tooth, baby! Just people, it's, it's a character, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's a persona within the album. Um, it pops up a good bit in the song Super Fluke, which I like quite a, quite a lot. That one I, don't, I didn't recall standing out to me all that much back in the day. Um, so it was cool to have like a new appreciation for it. And I think a lot of it had to do with like how confrontational the vocals sound. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, even when he's like not saying anything crazy, because he's not like a, fucked up rapper or anything he doesn't he doesn't use slurs he doesn't use uh uh he's not misogynistic like there's no like i don't even know if he does he say bitch i don't recall him saying he does he says like roll over like a bitch or something like that but he's never like calling a woman a bitch in the context of the lyric i don't think yeah i don't ever recall anything like crazy no coming up during these five uh, and when he talks about drugs it's just like honest experiences and yeah yeah he's there's nothing overtly sexual (laughs) about him or this this album by any means or his work that i can i just sat with five of his albums so no i can say with some with some clarity that no he's uh it's wild he's very funny he's very uh sad he's very (laughs) uh uh, heavy hearted and, and, but we're not there yet. He's not there yet. He's, he's still kind of angry and very much. He talks about fuck like the pigs, fuck the pigs a yeah. lot. And I'm, Oh my God, I eat it up. 
This is his like young punk album, sort of. Yeah, well, every, everything before it's even more punk, but this yeah. this honestly is of what we listen to, definitely his punk album. Nice. For sure. Uh, even down to like the artwork. Like it yeah. just looks like an old nasty. It, it rules. I love this shit. So from there, there's a part in the song Cook It Up. I believe it's how the song ends. It like fades out is this like really cool. I don't know if it's sampled or he got someone to start singing. It's really nice. Love that shit. Uh, but then that is followed by uh, Freeze Honeycomb interlude. And that shit goes really hard. And I liked it a lot. And it feel that song is the first one that really felt like what he's going to do on none shall pass um and i want to actually double check it's called uh freeze honeycomb interlude oh no 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 Uh, the honeycomb on there okay yeah uh that is yeah and that's just produced by him so uh blockhead did a lot of the a lot more of the production on none shall pass so when i was first listening to that i was like oh i'm curious if they did that one together but it is just aesop and that's the one that really was like this could be on that album to me great song yeah if you've if you've listened along you already know that and then we get to uh the one that lp produced big boy lp he was he was still kind of the heavy hitter at this time he wasn't run the jewels level mm-hmm. famous but he was uh in in his scene he was still like like a top dog and him and Aesop ran together for years so uh this song is called we're famous uh, LP is a feature on it and drops two hard Epslers. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I was listening to this track and I, I, I noted two songs. This was one of them that I liked just musically and everything. And then I went back and I was reading over the lyrics because I remember you mentioning that. I was like, oh, this is the song where that yep. happens. Yep. Uh, curious, when you listened to it, is it in the song? It probably is, but I probably just didn't pick up on it. On the record, they reverse it. It goes like... Oh, weird. Over both instances. And it's the only time that happens for huh. any like profanity on the record. Which I, I would assume that either Aesop and or LP were like, I don't stand by that anymore. There's yeah. no need for that. Let's get rid of that. Which good on them. Yeah, cool. totally. All about that. Not mad about it at all. I remembered it being not reversed and edited so when it happened on the record i I didn't recall it i'd listened to this before too so i didn't recall that happening i'm guessing Uh, it's probably that way on spotify then too and i have to listen to it again i would assume because this is a 2013 reissue so i would assume that's a yeah updated version as well Uh, but back in the day sure shit wasn't and uh uh, i remembered (laughs) because i thought it was odd because that shit didn't usually pop up on the aesop aesop stuff that i knew yeah so it it Definitely stands out. But I wrote that though LP is, he's great. Run the Jewels rules. Uh, I like Run the Jewels. I am not the biggest. I've liked what I've heard. I haven't heard a ton, but the I've little, dug it. The little bit of, the little bit of, uh, the little bit of shroomies that I took and then saw them at nice. Shaky Knees. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was a fucking great I bet, time. yeah. Uh, but just not, I'm not going to sit, I don't sit down, I don't sit down with a lot of hip hop. Period. That's just me. I'm sorry. I've I I like what I like. Going off of that, Aesop I will sit with as as big and great as LP is. 
when Aesop comes in on the song, because LP starts the song, he does like half the song on his own. And then Aesop comes in and demolishes him. His voice is insane. It's so low and smooth yet. Like I said earlier, confrontational. It's, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't fucking get it, dude. His voice is goddamn amazing. With that voice, he's able to like say hard shit while also referencing like the author of where the wild things are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It fucking rules. That's in the song Babies with Guns. Um, the lyrics that I got were, uh, nowadays, even the babies got guns. Diaper snipers having clock tower fun. Misplace the bottle might catch a bad one. Have a midlife crisis when you're 10 years young. If this Jesus piece around your neck is bigger than your pistol, it makes homicide okie dokie and your God will forgive you. Just show the saints that at heaven's gates, you should be on the list. I hear he overlooks manslaughter for a tattooed crucifix. <laughs> he ain't, he, he mad. Yeah. <laughs> but also I pulled out that line because goddamn, I haven't, again, all of his references of the youth and he's only what, I think he's only like 46 now. I think so. Yeah. Uh, all of his references of the youth. So he's not terribly older than us. Like he's over 10 years, but not like, yeah. It's not 20 fucking years, 15 years. Um, he's 15 years older than me. Exactly. Actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think this is one of the songs that I paid attention or noticed the lyrics more. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's maybe slower, uh, or not in the way that the lyrics are delivered, but I do remember just his flow just caught you maybe a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, this song, like I said, for the other one about, uh, uh, the youth. Um, this feels so relevant today with all the fucking gun violence and TikTok. The goddamn TikTok. I shouldn't complain about TikTok. <laughs> Who's it serving? Who does me? What is me complaining about fucking TikTok serve anybody? God. All right. Now we're on to the. The song for me, spoiler alert, this is my standout track. Though there is one that I also love that I'm going to mention, but the greatest Pac-Man victory in history is and was my favorite song from this album. And Randy, I'm going to assume the answer is no to this. Do you Did you look into the lyrics and what this song is about for this one specifically? I did not, but the song title is great. Yes, and I'm about to fucking tell you all about this goddamn song. (laughs) So one summer, Aesop spent it doing a fuck ton of LSD. Hell yeah. And this song is about that. And he is advising against it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So what I loved about this song outside, I love the music. I love how this is a fucking stoned ass song. This is this is a lazy ass stoned ass song. Fucking love it. It's funny I said lazy ass because that's a lyric in here, and I'll get to it. Love it. But the hook of it is get up to get down now. Get up to get down now. I don't want to do it anymore. Couldn't do it if I tried. Couldn't do it if I wanted it. And it's about how much he did it because he was enjoying it, and now he couldn't fathom being to my understanding this is what it's about couldn't fathom doing it and then he goes on to talk about beating pac-man and doing all this shit (laughs) while fucked up on this summer and 
Oh my God, I love this song so much. Uh, Who are you down with, bitch? Sorry, dog, I dreamt the foulest shit. (laughs) I love him. He's the best. All of this, though, goes to a bridge where he says, and I knew the permanency would drift, and I knew the pH balance wasn't right, and I knew the crash and burn and how to caress it, LSD flashed the message, and I knew the gash wasn't going to stop bleeding, and I knew the pH balance wasn't right, and I knew how September would then affect it, LSD. And then from here, the next verse, I'm just double-checking, yep, pretty the entire next verse, every three words, starts with lsd that's cool i did not notice that (laughs) awesome it's the coolest shit in the world starting with lazy summer days like some decrepit land shark dumb luck squad dog lurks sicker deluded and so on and so forth but it all wraps up with him saying or not wraps up there's a very strong part where he says life sucks dickhead (laughs) which is best part of the song or when he goes, the Lizard King has spoken all hail. Hell Love yeah. that part. <laughs> Goddamn, dude. This song genuinely brought me back to high school driving around with my buddy Nick. Like, nice. Such, such good memories with this shit. Love this song. Top 10, top five Aesop song. Easy. Fuck off if you disagree. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to <laughs> say about it. Not trying to be rude. Uh, that's followed by uh, the track Free Holies. Uh, also great track. Really love that one. Don't got a ton to say about it. Uh, I do think it's, a, like I said, it's like a 70 minute long album. Uh, I think the second half flows better than the first half. I think I made that mental note when I was walking as well, that I yeah. just enjoyed the second half better than yeah. the first half. And yeah. I, I, that's not to say the first half has bad songs. I just, something about the second half just moves better. I think it's because, and I'm talking babies with guns through Mars attacks. So that's the last five songs. And looking at it now, I think I know the reason. And it's because there's no guests. It's just Aesop and Blockhead uh-huh. doing their shit. So that the, the flow is they're in the zone on it. And this actually, wow, a lot's coming together. Because that would make sense why, to me, uh, None Shall Pass works better than this album. Because I, there are significantly less guests. Even though there aren't that many on this album by any means. But yeah, when they're used on None Shall Pass, I think it, it works a little bit better. Eleven, The track 1135, let me see. I had a note about the lyrics on there. I also noted this on my uh, playlist of songs that I enjoyed from this album. 1135? Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm glad we're vibing, Randy. Yeah, it was cool. Oh, no, I just wrote that overall. I really liked the lyrics of this song. I didn't have any specific lyrics. Yeah, I didn't necessarily look up the lyrics, but the whatever sample he uses kind of sounds kind of trippy as well, which probably Ketamine USA interlude is probably, you know, it's kind of tied into that. But uh, yeah, it has kind of like a weird sort of like trippy uh, feel to it that, yeah, for it. sure. It's yeah, and I it makes sense going if this album has like an arc, it makes yeah. sense after the LSD song to still Just be putting in that this, together. Like, yeah, yep, yep. That would be. I would assume he had intent. He's seem he's a very totally. thoughtful man. So, uh, kill the messenger uh, is the other one that I put that might be my standout track outside of greatest Pac Man victory because that was one that didn't stand out to me back in the day that like hit me really hard this time with lyrics like I want to solve world hunger and fuck a pinup 
I want to find a 21st century carbon crutch worthy of pedestal placement and shitty path walking to touch. Nice. Like, God damn, dude. And, and same song, he said, I will not bow to a God that I can't look in the face. That's cool. Yeah. I did see uh, on his Wikipedia page that he grew up Catholic or Christian mm-hmm. as well. Which yeah, he did. Same as me. Yeah. And uh, we'll get to it on the, um, I believe it's on Impossible Kid. Yeah, it is on Impossible Kid. Uh, he has a song where he has, it's two verses, and the first verse is about his um, younger brother, and the second verse is about his older brother. Oh, uh, cool. And they talk about the metal, the love of metal, and how his parents were too strict. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the opening of Mars Attacks I thought was very funny. Uh, that is the last song on the record, and it... Uh, Again, he's just got a lot of humor throughout this. It's it starts with them saying these little fucking Martians. You gotta love them though. This <laughs> is funny, and you're right. You gotta love them though. It's good stuff. And after 70 minutes, it's good to just have a little wisecrack at the end. Yeah, that was one. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily say a struggle that I had with it, but I I love a short album. Probably just coming from punk and hardcore. You know, I I feel you. I don't know of many albums that are like you know, some sort of my favorites that are like longer than 45 minutes. I maybe. Feel and I wouldn't say bazooka tooth necessarily earns all 110 minutes. Sure. Yeah. It's quite long. 110 minutes. hour and 10 hour minutes, and 10 minutes, 70, yeah, minutes 70 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. My time code was way off. <laughs> uh, it, it's got some walls for sure. Um, and that is something that I never really noticed until doing this was how long these yeah. albums are. I think that is a product of the genre totally. and of its time. He's not doing like skits and shit. Yeah. So like, I know that was big for a time and around this time. So yeah, true. It's all music. Like there's not interlude, like the quote unquote interlude that I said earlier is like a part of the song. It's just like an instrumental. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, Bazooka Tooth, 15 tracks, 70 minutes and five seconds. Good ass album. I think a really solid place to get a feel for his earlier stuff. Uh, like I said, the EP before it, Daylight is fucking great. It's got brother, sister songs, Daylight and Nightlight. Very good. Uh, same flow, different tone and different lyric, slightly different lyrics and so it's awesome. Check mm. it out. Uh, they follow that. Aesop follows that with Fast Cars, Danger, Fire, and Knives, which is another EP that fucking rules. <laughs> highly, highly, highly recommend. The song Fast Cars is goddamn awesome, as is Zodiac, Zodiac Acupuncture. Cool. Uh, and it's got Holy Smoke. Oh, God, dude. Holy Smokes. <laughs> That's the fucking track from the album, from that EP. But I don't own that, so we're going to skip that and jump right into None Shall Pass. None Shall Pass. Which is arguably uh, Aesop's, it's the fan, it's like the Aesop rock album. Yeah, that's kind of what I was reading too. Yeah, is None Shall Pass. And I think it's, uh, it's deserved listening on this time. Again, I have... Uh, history with this album like this yeah. is the album that made me know who Aesop was uh, this is on a uh, I have an OG pressing that is technically Nick's because I bought it for him 
as a Christmas gift. Nice. And he moved and gave it back to me as a, here, bud, I'm moving away. You can have this back. And I was like, oh, thank you, friend. And then he moved back. <laughs> and he has mentioned taking it. And I've just never reminded him, and I don't intend to. <laughs> And now it's potentially water damage. It's too, water so. damage. She doesn't want it anyway. Oh, motherfucker. Also, I saw Nick after uh, Master Gardener. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you like that? I, I did. I think did. I was one of very few people in the theater that enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, Nick said it. He hated it. <laughs> he, uh, I don't know if he could tell that I liked it, maybe, but he we didn't. talked in the lobby and he was like, eh. He, he told me that he saw you and he, uh, he asked if I knew what you thought and I said no. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what Randy thought, but I thought it sucked. <laughs> yeah. I, I think from what I could tell from the people in the lobby that I was hearing, most people did not enjoy, but Interesting. I dug it. Yeah. I, I still, I still need to watch first reformed, but I'll get there. Uh, going off of, uh, the water damage. Yeah. Cause I have the 2007, this album came out in 2007. I have that pressing cause I bought it for him when it came out. Nice. <sighs> <laughs> and fucking water, damn it! The records itself themselves are fine. It's just the cases. God damn it! Uh, this is uh, chart wise Aesop's biggest record. Uh, it debuted at number fifty on the Billboard two hundred, which is big for an underground artist yeah. who has never gone to a major or mainstream level other than playing Colbert. I guess um, this this album's crucial in my musical upbringing, like no, no way around it. Uh, without this, I don't think I would even have interest in hip hop. Like this is what did it. I knew like outcast. I liked outcast. Yeah. It makes sense. But to me, I didn't know deep outcast. I didn't, I, yeah. I knew, I knew the hits. I knew, uh, miss Jackson and, and, uh, bombs over Baghdad and fucking, uh, Hey, yeah. Roses, all that shit. <laughs> But I didn't know I didn't know the albums because I wasn't allowed to get them. They had parental advisory <laughs> stickers on them. I couldn't get those. So I wasn't allowed. Aesop didn't have that shit and I was older <laughs> when it came out. I was in high school. Yeah. Didn't have uh, parental advisory, I mean. Huh. Uh you don't have to. Did you know it's not a law? <laughs> really? Interesting. Yeah. It's just it's like there's no law for movie ratings. Huh. Like, you're not going to go to jail. That's true. I'm pretty yeah. sure I've seen many movies that just go as unrated. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, it's just this dumb, arbitrary thing. And, yeah, you're not required to put a parental advisory sticker on there, even if you say fuck 400 times. <laughs> but at a certain point, it became a marketing tool. Yeah. Um, Like I was saying, this is crucial in my musical upbringing. Uh, and this this album, to me, has such... A specific sound that I'm sure there is a mountain of hip hop heads who can tell me every influence that he he pulled from to have totally. this sound and this isn't that unique or whatever. But to me, very unique. And the album, as in and of itself, is an, an all timer for me. I I love "Keep Off the Lawn," how it opens up. And then immediately goes into uh, the biggest song from the album, the title track, None Shall Pass. Undeniable hook on this fucking thing. Yep. And, and I will remember your name and face on the day you are judged by the Funhouse cast. And I will rejoice in your fall from grace with a cane to the sky like None Shall Pass. 
Nice. Yeah, that was the uh, the standout for me. And then, yeah, I noticed that kind of the standout for everybody or for Aesop in general. Yeah, it's got a it's got a cool animated music video if you haven't checked it out. Oh, cool. No. It's worth a watch. Uh, that is, I'm pretty sure that's the first song I ever heard by him. And it was because of the video Nick showed it to me. Um, but it was this album because uh, I distinctly remember hearing how keep off the lawn opens because mm-hmm. it opens very big and then like kind of goes wah, yeah wah, waka, waka. oh my god that's the whitest thing i've ever done in my life uh <laughs> i'm not puerto rican enough to get away <laughs> with this shit uh he yeah wow i'm sorry everybody uh yeah there's some record scratching which i will never imitate again and then he comes in and it's so, well actually it comes in with a beat and the you look like you've seen a ghost uh refrain and he, his voice comes in, and the second that you hear it, me, a young kid at the time, it's like, what the fuck is this? Because again, I've not heard a rapper like this with his voice. It's all been, yeah. it's been more digestible. It's been poppier. I will say around the same time, are you, <laughs> another rapper that I very much got into, are you familiar with Scroobius Pip? Not at all. He's a can you tell he's British? Uh, sort of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Pip, pip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if his shit holds up. I don't own any of his <laughs> stuff, so we won't be diving into it. Uh, I, I feel like it'd be a little corny in 2023, but I really yeah. loved it back then. Um, and Aesop works. Well, he was a part of the same crew kind of as this other guy, Cage who's a rapper as well. And I don't, he guests on one of the albums, like I'm blanking on exactly which one, but, uh, oh, he's, he's on Nunshell Pass. He's on Getaway Car. He, I got very into for a minute as well. He was like, Eminem was scary to people for his violent and shit. Cage, I was like, oh no, this is like the real Eminem. It's like (laughs) Cage. Cause it's like another white rapper strung out talking about violent shit. Yeah. Uh, but to me it was like more poetic and huh. all of that. And looking back, like it's not that bad. I don't know. Again, don't own it. Haven't listened to it in a long time. He could suck. I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about Aesop and going into Nunshell Pass. The music alone on that fucking song is insane. That one's produced strictly by Blockhead. Aesop didn't oh, produce cool. that. So that's a Blockhead beat and it rules. Yeah. Like, oh my God, it's so goddamn good. Lyrically, it's great. It's mostly about, um, from my understanding, this album is very much like anti-capitalist is what I gathered mm. really this time around. An Unshell Pass is, feels like a, because there's a line in it where he says, I've never had a day a snow cone couldn't fix, <laughs> nice. uh, which is like from, from my understanding, it's like from the standpoint of someone who feels that way, someone who is privileged enough and wealthy enough and powerful enough to not have a care in the world other that couldn't be fucking healed by something. Yeah. Um, again, he's, he's got a lot of anger and he's got a lot of anger and he's not, he's clearly putting it all into his work. Hopefully it's not like bleeding into his personal life, but like this is very much seeming like his therapy in a lot of ways. And then mm-hmm. later albums, he starts going to therapy and openly talking about his feelings and going to therapy. Mm. <laughs> so it's very, it's, he's growing. We're all growing. It's wonderful. Uh, right after Nunshell, like this album to me, 
yeah, dude, this is just fucking hit after hit. It does have a couple walls, but track one through God damn nine. The first nine tracks I think for me are just like out of the park, like fucking love them. Cause catacomb kids is a big goddamn one for me. Okay. Yeah. Love I need to re-listen to this whole album. Cause I think I do also remember this being very solid yeah. up top. It's just musically like this yeah. one is like arguably is most interesting. For sure. It's very cool. Uh, a lot of sample like beats and uh, just again, so organic sounding. Um, Catacomb Kids, I pulled a couple lyrics from uh, Equipped with super soakers full of piss and an uncanny knack for constantly upsetting pigs by doing stupid shit. <laughs> Ugh. And uh, oh no, I guess that's the only line. I, I, I just accidentally wrote it twice. So I think I liked it a lot. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that one fucking rules. Uh and then there's the track fucking Bring Back Bring Back Pluto, which immediately follows it, which has the line, the malformed oddities among sovereignties normal shall abuse the vice the every vice. Yeah. Let me restart that. The malformed oddities among sovereignties normal shall abuse every vice you can imagine right before you. This song I always took as more tongue in cheek about because it was around the time that they deemed pluto to no longer be a planet <laughs> and yeah so i always found it funny that he was referencing that in a in a hip-hop song in a rap um but diving more into it now i wrote using pluto as a metaphor for levels of power and oppression because they have the line meaning every dumpster diver's gotta vomit up a comment like um you ain't shit this ain't ill. This is little Russian dolls that get smaller and smaller still. This is a corpse full of pills trying to sit still and build because eight planets bullied number nine until he fell. <laughs> yeah. So I really, yeah, like this goes back to that like anti-capitalism shit and like anti-cop and all of that. Is, yeah. It's very, um, it's an apt metaphor for just people deciding you no longer matter. Sure. Yeah. It's it's interesting. And huh. I, ne- I never read it that way prior um, to this listen through. So I'm grateful. It's nice. Um, that goes on into, it's just wild that these are all back to back. Like for me personally. Just hits. <laughs> just hit after fucking hit. Catacomb Kids is produced just by Aesop. Bring Back Pluto is Blockhead and Aesop. Fumes is uh, just Blockhead. And, uh, I wrote that I reading the lyrics was like, this seems like an OD, like it just like description of an OD. And then the more I got through it, I was like, Oh yeah, 100% is uh, the lyric that to me is there's no way around it is stay awake. Little misfit, her lips wet, a very particular mischief, sis wiggle an index. If your limbs let or settle for a warm burgundy bubble out of her beak instead. Hmm. What a way to describe someone like gurgling blood. Yeah. Like that's very vivid. Dude. Incredible lyric though. Incredible writing. Uh, And then we get to uh, 39 thieves, which is a big standout for me simply because of a lyric that was quoted often in those years, those years back then, Randy, Mm -hmm. Uh, this is the life and the life will not end. Uh, Nick and I would like to say that all the time because it's like nice. a break in the song and it's like all three guys like this is the life and the life will not end. It okay. Rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So saying that all the time. And they also got on that song, um, uh, we're not concerned with the community aloofness, dude, we're animals. We just go where the most food is. Lower the toast. Most formal etiquette is useless. Truth is you're equally expendable. If spoon fed money is cool, I'm only human. They uh, use it as a tool to make the workers feel excluded. Like the shinier the jewel, the more exclusive the troop is. Bullets don't take bribes, stupid. They shoot shit. That last line is why I wrote it down. I'm remembering now. Bullets don't take bribes, stupid. They shoot shit. Yeah, and this song I originally wrote. Oh, right, the pirate song. Because Bazooka Tooth has a song that's got some like shanty vibes to it. And then I can't remember which one because I forgot to write that down. And then I was like, oh, no. This isn't the pirate song. This is the precursor to the pirate song. This is giving huh. you pirate vibes. And then we go full pirate on the harbor is yours, <laughs> which has the immortal line, throw your babies in the air. <laughs> One of my absolute favorite things Ace has ever done. By the way, Ace is also a nickname. Okay. I'm, I'm not just calling him that like a fool he like refers to yeah like we're buds that is what uh he is referred to sometimes i don't know the man maybe that's too personal but i'm i don't intend i don't think i'm gonna meet him so maybe yeah the harbor is yours throw your babies in the air that shit's goddamn hilarious and probably the funniest thing he's ever written uh probably not the most like humor quote unquote like what's the definition of humor <laughs> but it made me laugh the hardest out of everything that he's written uh and then we get to uh, Citronella, which is the ninth track uh, on the album. And to me, this is back in the day. This was my number one. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, this opens with uh, what fresh hell is this? I stood before the glittery borders of new radius in search of the fabled city of mud and crushed velvet. What I found was a gutter where the love of entertainment meets the lust for blood and demerits. God damn. I studied with the finest combs stuck under my thumb, A's opposed to the loaded nose who pray Armageddon is numb, and that's unevenly rendered to those who grew up thinking faith was a surrender of reason, but not a reason to surrender. Nice. He's got bars, dude. Fucking insane. I wrote every song. Every song has a line or two like this that I could chew on forever. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. I can't even like think of lyrics to a song in general, you know? <laughs> I, I fancy myself a lyricist and I, I fancy myself a decent lyricist and I I read his shit and I'm like, I'm a baby. I'm going Google Gaga on the page. <laughs> yeah. Like this is fucking poetry. It's beyond, man. Uh yeah, Citronella is one of the darker songs on the album. Uh it's it's one of the more it's not slow, but it's it's hazier it's dark it's musty it's 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 meaner god yeah and it opened like within the first line he says die motherfucker die it's it's so good just yeah hits really fucking hard um and then from there this is honestly where i uh, lp man lp is the lull for me i guess because uh gun gun for the whole family i enjoy I, i don't think there's a single bad song on this album but lp produced this one again and I'm just not, it's not, it's not a standout for me personally. Did you have any note about this one particular? No. Okay. Not at yeah. all. I, I don't really remember it. Um, there you go. I think the, yeah. I remembered the, 
Babies with Guns from the last one, but I did not remember Gun for the Whole Family yeah. on this one. Yeah. Babies with Guns is memorable. Gun for the Whole Family, not so much. So I don't know. Uh, not not my favorite, but uh, still, so it's a fine track. It's good. The next standout for me is Dark Heart News. Um, and that's mostly because I love the tone of the song and I think the, uh, the guest vocal on it, it by uh, Rob Sonic is fucking awesome. Uh, Rob Sonic and Ace are buds. They do a lot of shit together. Um, he pops up throughout a lot of things. I think he's technically the only on either impossible kid or spirit world field guide. He's technically the only guest vocal, even though he's not credited because it's just like a quick little thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, oh boy, uh, we're skipping over the songs Five Fingers, No City. Uh, I mentioned Dark Heart News because I love Rob Sonic's bit. Uh, Five Fingers and No City are really good songs, uh, in my opinion. They're just not the strongest songs on the album. So there's not a ton for me to say there. But then we get to what I did mark as my standout track, which is Coffee, the album closer. But it's Coffee slash Pigs. Did huh. you listen? Did you hear Pigs? I don't know. It's not listed on Spotify. So yeah. So coffee is listed as like a nine minute long song because they still have like two minutes of silence in between. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember people used to do that a lot. You don't see that anymore. It's uh, annoying. I don't know why they wouldn't just in the modern age release pigs as a separate track because it's so fucking good. Oh, yeah, I just wrote Pigs is Incredible, Anti-Capitalist, Anti-Police. It rules. <laughs> nice. uh, but Coffee is an all-timer for me. Also, an undeniable hook. Uh, we don't need no walkie-talkies. Nope. No walkie-talkies. We don't need you coughing when off in the morning coffee. No, we don't need no walkie-talkies. Nope. No walkie-talkies. We just want our hermitry to stay and our coffee to go. <laughs> yeah, I got them shit memorized. It's, it's stuck in me. And the... Uh, at the end, before it goes into... This song is featuring John Darnielle, by the way, of yeah. the Mountain Goats. How did that happen? You may you may ask. Aesop Rock, giant fan of the Mountain Goats. Okay. He learns that John Darnielle enjoys Aesop Rock because John huh. Darnielle mentioned him on like some like best of list or whatever. And he's like, what the fuck? John Darnielle knows cool. who I am. Yeah. So he goes to a Mountain Goats show, is able to meet him, introduces himself, and apparently they nerd out on each other make this goddamn song nice were you ever a uh mountain goats i am a mountain goats person okay but i'm not like i'm not a diehard i'm not a devotee yeah i love what i love and i don't listen to the other stuff got it i don't know if i've ever really listened to them i don't know if i his vocals might be an acquired taste they are they certainly are hannah doesn't love the mountain goats she love <laughs> direct quote i love how much you love those mountain goats albums. nice yeah. yeah um all hail west texas is probably what everyone is like that's the gold standard mountain goats but okay later era goths is the one i hmm. think you would like goths if you if you're not into his voice i think you'll hate absolutely everything about it but <laughs> uh because there's no guitar uh it's okay. it's his it's his goth synth album but Sick. it's but it's like piano and synth and drums and bass and there's just no actual guitar and it rules it's yeah i could get like down my, that. one of my absolute favorite things that they've done but we're not here to talk about the mountain goats uh we'll get there eventually because that's in the collection <laughs> so hold up you'll hear it later yeah so john darneal's on this uh 
I wasn't a Mountain Goats kid at this point. And I actually was into this without making a connection about the Mountain Goats until years later. Because I got into the Mountain Goats because of Andy Hull of Manchester Orchestra. Okay. He covered the best ever death metal band at Denton. And I was like, oh, this is a cover. What is, Hmm. who's the the people who did it? Oh, the Mountain Goats. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, coffee is amazing. Right before John Darnell comes in, it goes to the uh, T-A-K-E-N-O-P-R-I-S-O-N-E-R-S line, which is take no prisoners spelled out. Again, stuck in my brain forever. We'll never be able to remove that. I know somebody who has a coffee cup and T-A-K-E-N-O-P-R-I-S-O-N-E-R-S cool. tattooed uh, on their body. It's surrounding the coffee cup. It nice. is a very cool tattoo. And uh, that's Honestly, one of the reasons we became buds is because we played a show together years ago. And I was like, is that an Aesop Rock tattoo? And he's like, fuck yeah, it is. That's right. Like, hell yeah, dude. So coffee is a, a bop. It is outside of Nunshell Pass. It is clearly the other hit from the album. Um, it's it's also got arguably my favorite it, it's become a mantra, honestly, within my life. I used it in i've i've used this in my life in ways that might not be the healthiest but it's i've i've needed it uh since from the first time i heard it until my age today it the line just because i don't want a war with you don't mean go warm up the barbecue (laughs) randy i live by that goddamn line i'm all about peace and yeah, being cordial me too and polite that doesn't mean i want to have a fucking meal with you <laughs> that doesn't mean that when we see each other you come up and ask me how i'm doing yeah we can nod i'll say hi this is not go for everybody you fucking know who you are <laughs> so uh the song ends with john darneal doing a wild ass fucking vocal uh how did you feel about it in the context of this song like I said, I, I don't know if I know the mountain goats really much besides just by name. Um, and then, yeah, I listened to it here and I had thoughts about his vocals that I'm not <laughs> sure. Like, I think we spoke with a advanced bass, like, you know, I, yeah. I'm okay with imperfect vocals or vocals that are sort of non-traditional, but I don't know. I, I'd, I'd be interested to see how I feel about the mountain goats later on. That's so funny. Uh, if <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I was just like, huh, it's kind of, it's kind of odd. I'm very curious. Cause I think I have four mountain goats records, so we'll see. Nice. We'll see. I have, I think I have four mountain goats records and a album of people covering mountain goats songs. Okay, cool. Yeah, called I only listen to the mountain goats. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That pretty much wraps up that album that rap that wraps up none shall pass. Uh, it ends with the secret track pigs which I said, which is a really, because you didn't hear it. It's on like a slide guitar. Uh, It's like a slide guitar and like a harmonica and like a tambourine or like someone stomping with it, something jangling. Yeah. That's the beat pretty much. And then he's rapping up over that being like pigs, goddamn pigs, pop belly pigs. And this one is less about cops, even though fuck the cops. This is more about capitalists, like just greedy people. Sure. Um, fucking awesome song uh you can find it on youtube i think by itself but it's yeah. uh just skip ahead like a minute and a half after the silence of coffee and it starts playing great goddamn song um from there 
we uh, don't go immediately next because I, I don't have the album in between. The album in between is called Skeleton, and it rules. And I'm really bummed that I don't have it. The last time you and I went to, or I guess it was your first time going to Eliguru. Yeah. Uh, I was looking for Skeleton because every time I've gone there, they have had a copy of it. And I guess somebody finally fucking bought it. <laughs> Damn. And I, Cause I was going to get it that day. I had full intentions. I was like, today's the day I'm going to grab Skeleton and it was gone. Huh. Such is life. Um, that's that album uh, has the singles uh, zero dark 30 and ZZZ top, which uh, those two songs are big standouts for me. I did not sit with this album again because I don't have it. So I didn't do it for the pod. So sorry, can't talk about it, but we are on to the impossible kid, which is, weird another very significant album for me by this man i would say he has three that are incredibly important to me and that is none shall pass the impossible kid and it as a whole because spirit world field guide has a couple songs but malibu ken as well and i'll get to why later but the impossible kid uh came out on april 29th 2016 randy Yes, sir. April 29th, 2016. Do you know what happened on April 26th, 2016? No. I had a fucking stroke. Okay. Oh, damn. Yeah. yeah, it was wild. If you know me, you know that that happened. But if you don't know me, yeah. When I was 24, I had a stroke. And uh, when I got out of the hospital, crazy story. Maybe Patreon, pay us and you'll hear more. Uh, when I got out of the hospital and was recovering and the first time I went like out and about I was like I just want to go somewhere and I was at my parents house because I I shouldn't be home alone uh after a stroke so I was staying at my parents house and some friends came and we went out to uh old Barnes and Noble and uh this is when they were really vamping up their vinyl sales and stock and stuff and I found this album at fucking Barnes and Noble along with uh, the previously mentioned DJ Shadow album from the last episode that will eventually feature in future episodes and uh, Dead Kennedy's uh, first album, Rotting Hell Fruit, yeah. uh, or Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables, I think as well. I think that's it. Something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, I got all, th- all those three, the same, all three of those the same day. Um, and the one that I probably listened to the most at that time was The Impossible Kid. Nice. Uh, I wasn't familiar. I knew Aesop had a new album out, but I hadn't listened to anything. I blind bought it. Uh, and honestly, I uh, blind bought it even though I didn't like the artwork. Yeah, it's very like kind of video gamey you know or anime is? or something. I don't. You're not familiar? Okay, this is Alex Pardee. Uh, okay, uh, so I know now who you're that familiar. Is, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it checks out, which he has a very distinct style um, that I, saw- I loved when I was 14. Okay. Yeah. I saw that movie yeah. that he did with, uh, digging up the marrow or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I almost said bringing up the dead, but that's the, <laughs> that's uh, the Scorsese, Scorsese Nick Cage. <laughs> uh, that movie's fine. Yeah. I really wanted more monsters. Same. And they gave you very, very little monster and you're, you got, it was Ray wise, right? I believe so. Yeah. And hardly utilize. I was very bummed because I like <laughs> the hatchet series. So I like Adam green. Sure, a decent yeah. amount. Uh, I don't like the hatchet series. I like hatchet one and two, three is terrible. And I haven't watched Victor Crowley. So, uh, anyway, all of that to say, uh, 
The Impossible Kid came out on April 29th, 2016. This is Aesop Rock's seventh album. This came out the week I had a stroke. <laughs> and uh, it this is this is the turning point to me. I think he definitely uh, was doing it on Skeleton, but like this is where I was like, this is personal. Like he's not really sugarcoated. Like his lyrics are much easier to follow to mm-hmm. me at this point, uh, starting here with Impossible Kid and then everything moving forward. I feel he is being very reflective, very contemplative, looking inward, still angry, still talking about what he sees, but from a different standpoint. Cool. It feels. Yeah. Um, like the song Rings on this album is, that's the second track. I love the opening track, Mystery Fish. Tech support, Feral Army, it rules. It's just really good ass opening track. Really sets the tone because he produced this album entirely himself, and it, it goes for more of like a sci fi. Like uh, it's dark. It's dark electronic. It's not. Yeah, doesn't feel organic like Nunshell Pass. It doesn't feel like co- cobbled together by samples and stuff. Yeah, like found sounds. Sonically, yeah, this one and the next one felt very different to me, and I maybe enjoy it more than uh, the older ones. It's just maybe a little more uh, up my alley. But yeah, very, very different. And They're more digestible, I think. Yeah, there's... I don't know if it's on this album or not, but I think his music in general, I was surprised there's more sort of guitar and actual, like actual guitar and actual bass stuff in it, which could be samples or could be stuff that he created. But uh, I yeah. think the... There is guitar on here, but I think that's mostly... Sp- beer world field guy or okay, no yeah. maybe malibu i don't know yeah. but malibu ken was produced by tobacco so exclusively yeah. anyway uh yeah the impossible kid uh the song rings um is the first standout it was a single which makes sense because it fucking rules but this is about direct quote from him that he said about the song is rings reflects on my failure as a visual artist and some of the regret I've experienced in regards to not pursuing it either. And this is a very heavy reflective song because all of us can relate to his sentiments. Uh, He has a repetitive line. He changes the words slightly, but it's the same uh, uh, meaning. He says used to draw hard to admit that I used to draw. And then he has used to paint hard to admit that I used to paint stuff like that. And for me, for years that was used to write. And when this came out, that's where I was at. I had had stopped doing music for three years at that point, two, three years at that point. I used to write hard to admit that I used to write. So this, this song hit like a fucking ton of bricks. You have a stroke. You're reflective already because you survived that shit. I went through a breakup immediately that same week. Jesus. Yeah. I think I knew that part. Yeah. Well, it was actually two weeks after the stroke. So still, yeah, Yeah. it's cool, dude. (laughs) It was sick. (laughs) So yeah, I was, I was having a time and this album fucking came in clutch for me, man. Yeah. And like the last line of this song is I'm getting sick and tired of never understanding where is the truth you promised. Nice. God damn, dude. Yeah, and the this whole thing is just about how no matter what, like uh the the hook is uh shapes falling out of the fringe, all heart though we would have made cowardly kings, they will chop you down just to count your rings. And that is also that line like his reflective nature 
of his shit from this era is so fascinating to me. The all heart, though we would have made cowardly kings. Because that's me and my friends. We all had the best intentions. Sure. We, we really thought we could like do some shit back yeah. then, but we would have been terrible at it. <laughs> like, that's why I'm like pretty happy that everything musically that's going for me is happening at the age that I am now. Totally. Because yeah. I think I would have fumbled it really fucking, I could have gotten hurt physically, yeah. financially, emotionally, whatever. Cause I was drinking a lot back then, uh, much more reckless abandon thinking I had everything in check. Yeah. Obviously not immediately after the stroke, but, <laughs> uh, that era of my life. And yeah, I really feel like he's speaking to his younger self and just reflecting on where he's at now and how things don't pan out mm-hmm. how nothing is how you want it at totally. all. sometimes yeah. you have a stroke and go through a breakup and <laughs> sometimes uh you just stop drawing like he did yeah things things don't always work out i'm fine now my i love my wife very <laughs> doing much. great she is much better i did meet her uh not that long we started dating like six months after oh, really? that shit yeah nice. and we did not meet on tinder we did not meet on a dating app. Solid. We met because she moved into the house that I was moving out of. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Old school way. Yeah. Old school, right? Uh, yeah. Um, like I said, this album's very personal. Uh, the hook in rings hits. A uh, lot of years is another one that really stood out to me, um, which is right after rings as uh, just really fucking ruminating in, in a quite humorous way on being older than everyone around you or feeling like you're older than everyone around you. Sure. Um, and this song is kind of presented as like both an internal monologue that he's having with himself as he's observing these things, these things around him. And he's also directly like having conversations with the people that he's observing. Mm -hmm. So like lyrically it's, it's kind of a fun journey to sit down and read. Uh, he's talking about like being at a yogurt shop and like seeing this kid with like neck tattoos and looks so cool. And he's just like, my tattoos used to be cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's awesome. Like I, I feel this way in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, a lot of years, man, a lot of years. Uh, yeah. What's the line? Uh, the girl that worked down at the local juice place got a head full of dreadlocks down to her waist. I watched her add spinach to the ginger and the grapes. My hair was underwhelming, but my juice was fucking great. <laughs> nice. It's awesome. Uh, I, I really love reflective Aesop and that goes into, uh, wait, does it directly go into, is this another one? That's great. Yeah. It goes directly into dorks, which is a standout track from the album and the one that he performed on Colbert. Oh, cool. That is the one that he got to do. And I don't, I think it may have been Rob Sonic that was with him there. Cause there, he did have a guy doing the echo parts that needed to be done. Um, and this one is really to me reflective on again, like time and your status. He directly did say, this is about like the music industry and how, if you're not hot, you're out more or less. And you can kind of tell with the opening line, which is question. If I died in my apartment, like a rat in a cage would the neighbor smell the corpse before the cat ate my face. Jesus. <laughs> Great opening line, baby. Yeah. And it's also funny because he, uh, has a song. That song is about dying and not being found. And that phrase 
that there is a Japanese term for that called kodokushi. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, and that is the name of a song on Spirit World Field Guide. Ah, oh, nice. And it's not as bluntly about that as this song is. <laughs> yeah. And funny enough, uh, before diving into this, I had completely forgotten he had a song called that. There is a current, even by the time this comes out, it will still be unreleased. There is an unreleased clot song that we are working on called Kodokushi. <laughs> nice. So hmm, I guess it's just in the air from, I guess, 20 or 2020 is when Spirit World Field Guide came out. So uh, yeah, Dorks is great. Uh, love it. It's playful in its darkness, uh, but it rules. Um, Blood Sandwich is the song that I was, I'm skipping Rabies and Supercell, both very good songs. Did you have anything to say about those in particular? Uh, no, the next one was the one that I saved on my playlist. Blood, Blood Sandwich. Sandwich. Yeah, great That's song. the one about his brothers. Yeah. This is the one that's very, very sweet, uh, lyrically beautiful. Um, he's got the, uh, like, I haven't called him in many moons. I called him up last night. How you doing? Like, it, yeah. just, oh, it just feels nice. It's warm, very reflective. The first verse is about his younger brother playing Little League and being distracted by shit out in the field because he saw a gopher and his grandma's screaming, go Cubs, even though the Cubs aren't playing. Like, it's it's just really warm. and Yeah. Yeah. No, this is another one where the lyrics kind of stuck with me, mm. for sure. Then it's one of the few that I actually like looked up the lyrics to. Uh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Did any particular lines stick out to you? Not really, just kind of the, the vibe. You know, the, yeah, the vibe of it, yeah. the sort of like the brother relationship and definitely, yeah, reflective and a little more, a little more emo, I guess you'd say. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it totally is. This album is very, I mean, you got Alex Pardee doing the fucking art. Like, True. This, yeah. is, this is Aesop's emo album. Uh, I think that's safe to say. Alex Pardee, if you all aren't familiar, uh, if you were into uh, alternative music along the lines of like the used in My Chemical Romance in 2000, between 2004 and 2010, I'll say, uh, you were probably familiar with Alex Pardee. He did album covers for a fuck ton of bands, including the used and uh, Aiden. I think they're, yeah, I think they're super canceled though. Huh. Uh, I think he, their vocalist like started a sex cult. Cool. Yeah. One of, those, one of those, <laughs> one of those, but not like the cool one, like Jared Leto, <laughs> like the bad one, like the uh, fucking R Kelly, I guess. That's okay. an example. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jared Leto, who uh, apparently didn't know COVID happened because he was like <laughs> out in the desert, like just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me silent <laughs> laugh. That, when I learned about that shit, it was one of the funniest things. I was like, of so all good. people, that this would happen to. He's like, I've been away for 40 days. Like, yeah. what is going on? Oh, fuck that guy, man. <laughs> he is a fine, uh, he used to be a good actor. Yeah. I don't, I haven't seen him in anything that I think he's particularly good in recently. Besides House of Gucci. You're right. Sorry. I cannot besmirch House of Goofy <laughs> at all. Oh my God. Yeah. Blood Sandwich. Great song. Incredibly sentimental. Uh, part one, talk about the little league part two, talking about, uh, his older brother wanting to go to a ministry show, but his mom not allowing them because, uh, they were too Christian. And she was like, why are they called ministry? And <laughs> then she looks up, uh, an interview with Al Jorgensen and, uh, sees what, do you know what Al Jorgensen looks like? Not really. Right now. Uh, it's important. So it, there is a reason why she said no. 
because she read an interview with this man. And okay. did you just look him up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was going to show you, but I forget you have a computer too. So yeah, he's, uh, he's got a lot going on. He's, yeah. he's got a lot going on. So I can assume that a uh, Christian mother uh, of that era would be terrified yeah, of might seem man. scary. My mom, uh, my sister once, here's a little aside, uh, speaking of Christian mothers overreacting, uh, my sister, three years older than me, we were arguing about everything all the time. She told me she hated me and my mother overheard this and she did not like that. So what did she do? She said, I'll show you what hate looks like. And she, this is when we still had like dial up. Uh, she then tried to Google image search, uh, Marilyn Manson. Hell yeah. But it, it wouldn't load. So her point was never proven <laughs> though. Kind of fucked up for her to do this, but it was funny. Uh, she, when all that shit came out about Marilyn Manson. Yeah. She texted me going, see, I was right. <laughs> She's a fucking, she's, she's nuts, dude. I love my mother. She's nuts. Uh, yeah. Second verse is about uh, him not being able to go to this concert. And I really enjoyed the ending of that verse where he goes, um, where does it start? Uh, Ma, Ma still weary. Why are they called ministry? Are they a cult? Maybe she would probably investigate. Or maybe she should probably investigate. Bought a mag with Al Jorgensen interview. Read a couple sentences. Glanced at a pick or two or three. That's all. No fair trial. Simply, you will not be going to the show. That's final. (laughs) What occurred next were the top of the lungs of a son who unjustly lost what he loved. In a moment that would transcend anger to high art, he screamed, This is something I'm willing to die for. Nice. It's awesome. And then there's a couple more lines, but uh, yeah, that's where he goes into the final bridge. And I think the ending, the tone of this song is beautiful. And the ending of the, uh, just in case of rough waters, I want to put one up to my brothers and like the sample that's being scratched around that. Like it just gives me chills, like thinking about it because it's just such a thoughtfully put together song. Um, The next one that I had noted is uh, get out of the car. Because that one lyrically uh, fucked me up a bit. And I didn't remember that one fucking me up that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but Get Out of the Car, he wrote is, or he said about the song, is about realizing a bunch of shit you always considered to be separate and maybe more linked than you realized. Hmm. And I was like, God damn. Because I recently in the not so distant past uh went through a time where a lot of that was happening so this song hit quite a bit different at this stage of my life um that is then immediately followed did you have anything about that song in particular no i have to go back and listen to it though uh, then after that is shrunk. And this is like a precursor to what might be my standout track on the album, because this is where he's finally like, this song is a therapy visit pretty much. Like it's <laughs> him sitting in the office, eventually talking to the therapist. Um, the line in purgatory, just before you pay up to fillet yourself and others in the name of help coal on a conveyor belt. Just like the, for anyone who has gone through therapy, I have done therapy off and on throughout almost my entire life. I started when I was a kid, didn't go again until I was an adult, actually after the stroke. 
is when I started therapy again. So since 2016, I have gone off and on for all of those years. And at times, especially trying to find a therapist or get a medication regimen or find a psychiatrist, that's what I'm fucking struggling with right now. Um, it, it can feel like you're on a conveyor belt and it's just the healthcare system and the song shrunk really plays into that, but it ends in a way that made me laugh really fucking hard this time that I don't think I really paid attention to after like listing off all of these grievances. He's, he's like clearly not even really getting along with this therapist. He like the line is, um, she asks him to, uh, like, get some of his feelings out and he goes here's one every time my telephone buzzes i see images of hooded riders setting fires to hundreds she said when you start getting all expressive and symbolic it's impossible to actualize an honest diagnostic i said when you start getting all exact and algebraic i'm reminded it's a racket and not rehabilitation okay agree to disagree as grown-ups from opposing clans honoring the push and pull i should have called the solomance oh well preservation is a doozy will you be needing another appointment absolutely <laughs> is that last line will you be needing like you're not getting along here but yeah i'll see you next week yeah it's i love that because that's how therapy can feel that's what it seems like yeah. yeah it 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 can oh my god it's so important and everyone should do it <laughs> and it can suck it can really yeah. fucking suck and it's hilarious he tweeted he kind of did a live tweet uh, thing for like the day after this album came out uh, about each song and for this one he just said shrunk is a visit to the shrink nice. <laughs> that's it but then this song sets up Kirby which might be my favorite song on this album because it's about his cat it's about his cat Kirby and it has the line in there which ties into shrunk which is after he's going through all of this like this cat is driving me nuts. This cat's insane. Like what's going on? It the last line before the hook comes back in is fifteen years taking prescriptions. Now a shrink like I don't know. Maybe get a kitten. <laughs> I do remember that line now that you recited it. It's yeah. so good, man. Fifteen years taking prescriptions. Now a shrink like I don't know. Maybe get a kitten. And he does, and then it goes, "Hey Kirby, what you doing, Kirby? Why'd you eat that leaf?" Okay, yeah. 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 Love this goddamn song. Easily the biggest bop on the album. Arguably the biggest bop out of all three, out of all of the albums we're going to talk about, except Malibu Ken. Because I think Malibu Ken is bop after bop after bop. Yeah, Kirby fucking rules. This is the song that like sold me on the album when I first got into it. I was just like, yep, this is it. Love this goddamn song. And this is also uh, my wife's favorite song because she thinks it's very cute. Nice. And it is. That line, though. I don't know, maybe get a kitten. It's pretty good. Uh, she quotes that a lot when we got uh, our cat Spalding. Yeah. Because I found, I rescued Spalding. That's right. Yeah. I found her and uh, I was going through a very hard time when I found her and uh, she referenced this <laughs> a lot. Being like, right. that cat's helping you like that Aesop song. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> then we get into, uh, I'm going to skip Tough, which is, actually I'm going to skip a handful. Tough, Lazy Eye and Defender. Did you have anything to say about those? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, again, all good songs. Uh, Aesop has chunks of albums though, where everything's good, but it just doesn't stand out as much to me. Yeah. And those are the songs on this album for me. Uh, water tower though, I, I connected with because, uh, looking into it, he talks about how this is really about the, uh, 
life and death cycle of things uh saying water tower is about things dying decaying and becoming the earth life into death into life we all become soil no matter who we are nice and i connect with that sentiment these days in a big way um i think it's an important sentiment to remember yeah saying yeah the line uh in a civil war uh a civil war becoming of ungovernable atoms which is just people. I'm born from the guts of stars and black tar pits. Iron Maiden denim paint the devil under Grawlix. Crawls out a clawed coffin to huff and puff somewhere in between the dust and dust. Paint no rules on the water tower. Yeah, this one has a really good groove. It's got, this one's got a guitar lick in it that I like quite a bit, okay. actually. Yeah. Um, right when I said paint no rules on the water tower, the guitar lick like came into my head like right <laughs> after that. Um, and then Molecules, I think, is a fucking awesome way to uh, end the album. This whole thing is very cohesive, uh, very much in like this 80s spooky, synthy, sci-fi realm, fantasy yeah, realm. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Spirit World Field Guide goes back there, in my opinion. Yeah. Much more, even. Um, but we are going to... Uh, change course and go to a collaboration album that he did this is the uh follow-up to impossible kid though he didn't have anything in between it uh album wise i think he had some eps or something but uh homeboy sandman maybe this is malibu ken which is the name of the project and the album i think it's also the name of the group um but it's aesop rock and tobacco This came out in 2019 and would technically be Aesop's eighth album. Um, Yeah. Yeah, right? But it's, uh, chronologically it would be, but it's not a solo album. So if you don't want to call it, then it's just just another album uh, that he's a part of. He did do, I should mention, because I don't know if a lot of people know this. He has a project with um, Kimia Dawson of the Moldy Peaches huh. called uh, The Uncluded. And I think they've only put out one album in like 2013. Yeah, 2013. Uh, I don't remember if it's good, but I remember thinking like this literally sounds like Kimia Dawson and Aesop put together like there's no that sounds rad yeah. yeah 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 like it's it's that minimal like her style with him rapping over stuff huh. and it's pretty i remember it being interesting but i i can't stand by that right now i'd need to definitely re-listen to all of that but malibu ken i recall the i think i bought this without listening to any of the singles i just really like the album art and i trusted aesop rock and what i'd heard of tobacco i'd enjoyed are you familiar with him no not at all he is a part of Black Moth Super Rainbow. If you're familiar, not me. I couldn't be me. No idea, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of them. I, I'm not really into them, but Tobacco does, he's a producer, uh, psychedelic, electronic musician, and Black Moth Super Rainbow is a psych band. So I was very excited just to be like, what is this going to be like? And it's, ex- it's kind of exactly what you would expect if you know these guys. Yeah. And it's all the better for it in my opinion this might this might be my most listened to aesop project i think it's my favorite out of the group that we listened to 
it, it's also a short album. Which it's 34 helps. minutes. Yeah. Uh, we did not talk about the length of the impossible kid, but let me get that real fast. That I think is all of them are at least an, an hour, hour, right? Yeah. Impossible kids, 48 minutes. So that okay. one, uh, which also I is, pro- I can listen to that album pretty easily all the way through. Yeah. These days, Malibu Ken's probably my most listened to. I would say in, in entire history, it would have to be an shell pass just because of time. Yeah. But if I'm putting on an Aesop something, it's usually Malibu Ken nice. these days. Uh, and that's also the third special one in his discography okay. for me, because that is my wife and I's like, we both, lo- we, we loved that album together. All right. We, we fell in love with that album together. Um, She's not a big Aesop person. She knows uh, Impossible Kid because of me, but knows Malibu Ken and Spirit World Field Guide really well and likes those a lot, but doesn't dabble too, too much with the stuff before. Yeah. Um, I didn't mention, and I want to mention, because I meant to bring this up before we move on um, to Malibu Ken, actually. The Impossible Kid, the vinyl itself is a pink and green double LP. Nice. Uh, earns its double LP. Sure. The only one that doesn't earn its status is uh, fucking Bazooka Tooth. Uh, but it's pink and green. Uh, first pressing. Came out. Got it the year it came out. Rad. Uh, and Malibu Ken is a blue vinyl. Uh, also first pressing. Now horribly water damaged <laughs> case. I'm furious. The case, Randy, is incredible. You, you've seen the album art. The gross yeah, cool. looking Ken face. It's all mm-hmm. nasty. So it's that. But when you open the album, it's the same head, but the face is removed. Oh, cool. So it's like a gross, gnarly looking thing. And on the inside, it comes with that gross Ken face as a string mask that you can wear. Awesome. It rules. All of that is now curled <laughs> and bent because oh, anger fills my bones. Um, corn maze is a fucking perfect starter to this. It announces this project incredibly well uh, from the beat to Ace's flow. Uh, Yeah, right right after. I was like, this is my most listened to Aesop album. Um, This also continues his super personal lyrics about this. Uh, Immediately, this album starts with... uh, lyrics along the lines of i go to bed stoned i've got some walls up i'm like god damn preach brother like yeah. shit just at me next time i think that's what the kids say right <laughs> i think so yeah <laughs> uh i think that has to be like a, a, a twitter thing that uh uh isn't is twitter gonna be a thing by the time this comes out <laughs> Probably. We got Twitter and TikTok uh, on this episode. Oh, God. We are geriatrics. That's what's going on here. Uh, yeah. Corn Maze is fucking awesome. Tuesday is maybe the standout track for me of the whole album. I do love this goddamn song. I think it's really funny because uh, it opens with him talking about how like horrified his neighbor is who's like house sitting for him. Mm-hmm. That there's mushrooms growing in his car because of how dirty it is. Yeah. I recall that line. Uh, Yeah, let me get the exact line because it's... uh, Oh, yeah. There's something you should probably know before we go too far. My neighbor found a mushroom growing inside of my car. She called me up on tour sounding emotionally scarred, although it may have scared her more that I wasn't really alarmed. (laughs) (laughs) 
the dandruff in a shaken globe is fit to gild the manager. Yeah. So he just goes on talking essentially about how like shitty the state of his life is and how like in shambles things are at least appear to be. It's really funny. I thought it, I thought it was great. Um, it, it really describes well a, a feeling and likely a period of life that a lot of us have gone through. I haven't had a mushroom growing in my car by any means, but I knew someone who had one growing in their bedroom. Yikes. And it wasn't psychedelic shit. It was due <laughs> to literal shit. Yeah. <sighs> Hope you're doing well. If you happen to stumble across this, you know who you fucking are. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Uh, I skipped some songs, not because of any other reason. I skipped Save Our Ship and Swordbox. I really like both of them, and I noted that, but I needed to get to Dog Rules or Dog Ears. Uh, did you note those two at all? Uh, no, mine's coming up. Okay. Dog Ears, I fucking love. That was probably the song that hit for me first on first listen. I recall that one being really high. Uh, and it's got the fucking line turned down for your mom, which <laughs> became a quote for me. Love that fucking yeah. turn down for your mom. It fucking <laughs> <laughs> makes me laugh every time I hear it. Uh, but that goes into, uh, arguably the hardest song on the record, at least lyrically, uh, which is acid King. Yep. That's the one. That's the fucking one. Hell yeah, dude. This song, uh, funny enough, that same person who's had a mushroom growing in their bedroom, uh, this song gave them like a panic attack. Oh, wow. This song like disturbed them deeply. Yeah, which says something. I don't know. I don't know what it says, but it says something. Uh, This song's about more or less like the 80s satanic panic type of thing, but specifically, what's his name? Ricky Casso? who uh, sounds familiar. Yeah. Murdered his friend while fucked up on acid and apparently was saying like satanic shit. So that huh. was like a big part of the satanic panic stuff, but this song's dark. It's a, uh, it is a spooky song. So yeah, I don't know what about it made you note it. Just, it got added to your like, Oh, I want to listen to that again list. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to listen to it again. I listened to this album for the first time this morning, but really enjoyed just, uh, yeah, it, it feels sort of more like retro, synthy, mm-hmm. kind of like Cliff Martinez, some of it. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think I just it really enjoyed the the musical, the instrumental stuff in the song. Hell yeah. I didn't really pick up on the lyrics too much besides Mary Lou Retton and Excite Bike and there's a Jeopardy line or something. Oh yeah, all the references yeah. to the, all the good shit, man. 80 Satanic Panic. Uh, Suicide Big Gulp comes right after that. And all I wrote was this is a great second half of the album track. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and if you're not, you know what a, su- a suicide is in regards do, to drinks, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, in case you're not familiar, our our young whippersnapper, because we're, I'm 93. How old are you? Um, 97. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, a suicide is when you mix all the sodas together yeah. at a fountain. Um, I haven't done that. I don't, I drink diet. <laughs> and diet caffeine free. I, Dude, they, I, okay. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me happened on tour. Hell yeah. And I found one of those Coke machines that had CFDC as an option. Nice. CFDC, if you're unaware, I don't know if I said this on the last episode, but it's going to come up again. (laughs) 
is is caffeine free diet coke it's the gold can that your grandparents <laughs> drink that shit is oh it's fucking <laughs> goddamn heroin to me i have a theory sure this is a tangent the makers of caffeine free cftc uh-huh coke yeah <laughs> you know i'm heard of them yeah i think they're from here oh shit they are uh i think they put something in that diet shit specifically for people who ha- might have a drinking problem and need to stop drinking. Interesting. Yeah. Because I quit drinking for health and mental health reasons. <laughs> uh not that long. About it'll be close to a year by the time this comes out. It'll be a year in August. This will come out sometime in July, I believe, right? Uh, uh, It'll be a year. uh, And holy shit, have I taken a liking to diet goddamn soda. (laughs) I was not, like, I I will admit, I've always liked CFDC since I was a child because my grandparents drank it and I would have one. I'm like, this is fine. It just tastes like a flat Coke. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) But now, like, I I do not crave alcohol. I crave a uh, diet coke or a cfdc interesting a dc or a dfc yeah it's good i was hearing uh someone on a podcast earlier say that a lot of people who stopped drinking or doing drugs uh really like to replace that addiction with sugar but it seems I'm like yeah it's like yeah it's not it's fake sugar or I whatever need the aspartame <laughs> that's what's gonna kill me and I, I don't know, man. I'm all about it, though. I still like my, I still like my green stuff. I still like my puff puff pass. But I, uh, sure, I don't drink anymore, and I do drink diet coke and CFT or the uh, the green bottle or green can, the Heineken zero point zero. Y'all, y'all, motherfuckers, need to get real, real quick. Heineken zero point zero is fucking liquid gold, dude. It's pretty good. It is. It hits every urge you have for a beer with no alcohol. I drank one driving to your house today. <laughs> I was sipping one driving over. If I could easily get pulled over because it's in the same bottle. It is, yeah. Just 0.0 underneath. But their ads are like, drink it at work. Really? It's fine. 100%. Huh. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'll drink it and drive. What can they do? They might as well. Ticket me for being annoying? Good luck. <laughs> My family's been trying to do that for years. Uh, back, back to the album. Back to Malibu, Ken. Uh, I love the hook on one plus one is 13 or equals 13. Uh, that's kind of really the only note that I had for that is, uh, oh, in that, noting that hook, I put all the hooks on this album are great. Arguably his strongest hook album. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Most consistent, at least, with being like, damn, yeah, that's got a good groove to it. Mm-hmm. Because on this album, every time I listen to it, I go, oh shit, this song. Pretty much every time. Yeah. And I think it's because it's so short, I forget that it's like hit after hit after hit kind sure. of deal. Yeah. Um, did you read the lyrics for Churro? I didn't know. They're really funny. Uh, this is during the time when there were a lot of those uh, like observation live streams of like nests and stuff. So this is about uh, where he's living. They were observing these eagles, these bald eagles. And uh, one day 
he tuned the people tuned in to observe and they were eating a cat that they had cap a live cat that they had captured <laughs> and uh, it wasn't great people weren't happy about it and he wrote a hilarious song essentially from the perspective of like a guy who had a really hard day because he had recently lost his cat and all he wanted to do was just watch the damn eagles <laughs> and when he went to do it he saw his cat getting eaten by the eagles yeah. <laughs> it's it really got me and that song i'd never really sat with the lyrics before this listen through and it, it made yeah. me laugh a fuck ton um and then after that, it, it ends with uh, Purple Moss, which I think is a really beautiful and super solid way to end the album. Um, no lyric particularly, just uh, uh, think it really, this album starts strong and ends strong. It's really quick, 34 minutes. Yeah. Fucking love it. Really yeah, listenable. It uh, we listen to this while playing Scrabble a lot. Nice. Anna and I, yeah. Uh, what would be your standout track? Did you have one for this? Uh, it was Acid King. Yeah. Acid King. Okay. I think I put that at my number two. It's really hard because I love Corn Maze a lot, but I put Tuesday with a question mark. Okay. Yeah. But really, uh, it would be between Corn Maze, Tuesday, Dog Years, and Acid King. Those four, nice. I think. Yeah. This is, if I listen to one of these albums again, I would definitely put this one on first. First, again. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh Malibu Ken, great fucking record that came out in uh, 2019 um, via Rhyme Sayers Entertainment. Uh, check it out. Very fucking cool. And if you like tobacco stuff, I think you'll like it too. So if you know tobacco and don't know Aesop, it's a great place to start for Aesop because um, his flows and cadence and lyrical style, at least his lyrical style now, is, is all there. Um, and then we go to his, not his most, well, yes, I think this is his most recent solo album. Hmm. So his most recent album is Garbology. And I believe that came out in 2022, 2021. And that's with Blockhead. I would count that as another collab album then though, because it is listed as Aesop and Blockhead. So that would be yeah. like Tobacco and Aesop. So Spirit World Field Guide from 2021 is Aesop Rock's most recent, sorry, from from 2020, uh, Garbology's 2021, uh, is his most recent solo album. And this completely follows the track that Impossible Kid started. Aesop uh, produced the entire album by himself, all 21 tracks of it. All one hour, three minutes, and 18 seconds of it. This album uh, I bought when it roughly when it came out as well. Funny enough, I kind of slept on this when it came out, and Hannah got super into it on her huh. own. Specifically the song The Gates, which is technically the opening track because this album opens with an introduction. Yeah. Um, Aesop did an interview with Flood Magazine where he kind of went track by track with this. Um, so I have a lot of quotes from him, which I feel is let the artist speak for the album himself. Yeah. Um, this wasn't written to be a track. This was written, hmm. um, direct quote, is this is the last thing I recorded for the project. I think I was trying to write some sort of album announcement that we could use as promotional assets. Uh, and I ended up liking it more than I anticipated. And a few people suggested I could use it as an intro. And it's maybe a bit wacky, but that's how I roll. So it's cool. 
Yeah, it's cool. I it's, dug it. It's a uh, it's kind of like the uh, Charlotte Didgery album from oh, the yes. last episode. It's very just kind of like just people talking, but yep. it's done in a cool way. Yeah, yeah and it's him. Uh, really, like it starts. It's called "Hello from the Spirit World." That's the first thing he says, and this is a concept album, more or less. Of, yeah moving through a spirit world, the spirit world and reflections on your life throughout there and on life outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this really just kind of like walks you through it. uh, tells you kind of what to expect, uh, gives you kind of where he's coming from with stuff. Um, He signs off kind of regards Aesop rock. It's, it's a cool little track. It's definitely not a song per se yeah uh there's like music and stuff going on in the background but it's not it's it's an intro track it's it's just him introducing the album and then it goes into the fucking banger the gates this song goes hard and i would put this in the conversation with i wouldn't say top five but i would say top 10 best Aesop songs and that he's still producing top 10 worthy songs this late into his career yeah damn this one, looking into it, seemed to be very much about feeling detached and okay. socially hostile. Huh. <laughs> really not liking the way things are going around you and the way culture is sure. shifting. Uh, and it's also being at the gates of the spirit world and being on that edge of uh, okay. this yeah, fucked yeah. reality and, and going elsewhere. Uh, I wouldn't say it's suicidal. Um, I don't get that read, uh, is definitely, there are moments I don't get despair from him. I get discontentment and I get anger and I get frustration, but I don't get the pits all that often. If he was trying to convey that he did a great job of expressing himself, but not saying that he is ruminating it's wild he made a whole album ruminating ruminating on death and i'm about to say that he's not <laughs> dwelling on death <laughs> yeah i don't know i guess yeah especially with the title you could do it in a uh, a spiritual way where you're truth, talking truth. about it and and i think that's more where he's a going. more enlightened sort of way yes. yeah and this album diving into the lyrics was very helpful for me because funny enough enlightenment is a huge theme here Because this, during the writing cycle of this, he traveled a lot for the first time in his life to places for pleasure rather than for music and stuff. Yeah. Um, And felt that he had a lot of life-changing experiences in that regard. Um, the, The flow of this from the gates to Button Masher, I think, fucking rules. Um, Button Masher makes a Matmos reference. But I don't... I heard that, yeah. You caught that? He's directly referencing what Matmos is a reference to, which is... That's like kind of what I figured. The I swampy river it. or whatever that Matmos got his name from. I can't remember exactly where... It's a, it's a film reference of sorts? It is a film reference. Matmos got their name from the evil slime beneath the city Sogo in the 1968 film Barbarella. Never seen it. I'm aware of it, but yeah, never seen it. Me neither. They're apparently remaking it with Sydney Sweeney and Jane Fonda's not happy. Interesting. Yeah. She yeah. thinks they're going to miss the point entirely. And I'm like, it yeah, probably you're probably will. right. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably right. She's like, I had an idea to do a really feminist take on this and nobody wanted to do it. And now they're doing it with Sydney Sweeney. Anyway, cool. uh, I don't know. Sydney Sweeney's been in, I don't watch Euphoria, so I don't fucking know. 
I watched season one and I couldn't do the I couldn't do another. Yeah, and the idol, I can't. I, she's not a part of it, but fuck. Anyway, whatever. Uh, Button Masher, I think, is a really cool song. Yeah, uh, same. I genuinely don't think there is a song that goes as hard as the gates on this album. But uh, Button Masher, I also wrote in my notes, pirate shit. The pirate shit comes back. <laughs> they have these lines that just make me feel like swashbuckling, man. It's crazy. I, I got to go back and listen to it with that uh, with that in mind. Listen to The Harbor Is Yours again. Yeah. And then I'll send you the rest of the pirate songs and you'll be like, <laughs> fuck, dude. He does like his pirate shit every now huh. and then. Uh, of this song for Flood Magazine, Aesop Rock said, this describes making a cardboard spaceship in your living room and blasting off. It celebrates escaping by using your imagination and making stuff. I like that the drums kind of chug along uh, and the guitar always sounds awesome. This was a pretty, this one was pretty fun to write, actually, combining outer space references with some of that crafty Joanne Fabrics funk. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this is a reference uh, to, yeah, like I, uh, I haven't seen land in a minute. I think that's this song, right? Or is that the old song? I don't know. I, I recognize the hook when you just did it, but. Oh, it is I don't remember song. which okay. song. Because yeah. that's the pirate shit. <laughs> I okay. ain't seen land in a minute. Uh, okay. A wall spaceman wave to the missus. Yeah. Um, this song fucking rules. It's also a lot of video game references because of button masher and shit yeah. like that. Uh, a lot of references to his childhood. And again, very reflective. This one is, I saw, I can't remember what reviewer said it, but I saw someone say this is like his most joyous album. And I wouldn't say he's expressing a lot of joy, but he's expressing a lot of wonder. Okay. Yeah. Is how I feel in it. Um, but this does feel like a, a more, yeah, more spacey. Like he's getting more, more spirit. Yeah. More spirit. Yeah. I think that's what I liked. That's the best most word. about yeah. this album and the previous the Malibu Ken one, uh, the previous Aesop one too. Okay. They both sounded a little more, a little more spacey, maybe like mm-hmm. a little more open, like yeah. sonically and sort of, they just, it just had a different sort of tone between what they were sampling or what instruments Such they were using. Tone. Yeah. The tone on Bazooka Tooth and Nunshow Pass makes sense together and Impossible yeah. Kid and Spirit World Field Guide make sense together. Like totally. they are, they're not brother sister records, but they tonally just follow the same path. Um, uh, Dogs at the Door, uh, was another that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed this album and I could go through it track by track and I'm going to a lot because I have a lot of quotes from him. So I want to touch on stuff that he said, but I will say this album is too long right off the bat. Yeah. It's too long. I feel that it drags. Yep. It, it I don't know. I can't tell you what I, I, I can tell you what I would cut. But I don't, at the same time, I don't want them. I don't think they're bad songs and I don't want him to cut it. I don't think the four wins needs to end the album. I can say that right now. Yeah. Uh, In reading it, he said Marble Cake is the ending, four wins is an epilogue. And I'm like, then it doesn't need to be there. You can remove the short songs. You can remove one to 10 and flies, even though I like both of them a lot. They don't need to be here. They don't, they kind of disrupt the flow. Yeah. Of things, in my opinion. It's weird. If you wanted something to be an epilogue, this is where you would do the nine minutes of silence before you get to the... Dude. Yeah. Here is where you would do it. No. Uh, so, 
it's too long, so I'm not going to go to every song. Dogs at the Door I really enjoyed. He said, this is about when your dog is barking at something in the yard on a cold night, and you go out on the porch all paranoid trying to see what's out there. It's probably a squirrel, but it could also be a government agent or a ghost with some unfinished business on Earth. This is probably my favorite song on here. I kept the demo vocal take. Oh, yeah, that's why I kept this part. Um, he's He used the first demo vocal take for the final album, yeah, which cool. is rare for him, he said. Gauze... I think it's through, yeah, it's through Jumping Coffin, I love. I am good. Yeah, the first 10 songs are like a really solid fucking album. Yeah, it's probably a good 35, 40 minutes, something like that. Yeah, And then I think Holy Waterfall might be around where I start to drop off. But Pizza Alley um, has a line, never let me die on a regular hill, which I love. uh, and Pizza Alley, Holy Waterfall, and the later track Sleeper Car um, are three tracks blatantly about these travels that he has taken. Cool. Yeah, and yeah. like these, not epiphanies, but like just spiritual experiences that he has had. Sure. Um, I skipped over Gauze, um, and I do want to say, because I like it, and he's got a quote about it. Uh, this talks of spiz- visiting the spirit world as a sort of survivalist camping adventure in bad weather. It serves as a warning that it won't always be peace and love on the other side. This was one of the first three or four songs that made it to the project, and it's got the line <clears throat> that I really connected with. Uh, I go from homie to bogey and ghost, and I'm sorry if you know me as both. <laughs> Damn. Nice. Yeah, because I can be a good bud, but I'm going to go away for a while sometimes because I got to disappear. I got to I got to refuel. And we both know that I love an Irish goodbye. You're the master of the Irish goodbye. You're the master of me not even realizing you've left until I'm like, oh, why did Randy text me? (laughs) Oh, he's gone. (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah. Pizza's got never let me die on a regular hill. Love that line. Uh, As well as. Uh, I, I wrote after that song saying that this album is dark and heavy, but it's also beautiful and full of wonder. Pizza Alley was also apparently the first song uh, done for the album, which mm. is an interesting note. Uh, I really liked Boot Soup. I uh, connected really hard with the uh, the music of the third verse specifically because there is a pretty uh, apparent shift. Um, and Ace said, this is about how the people around you can affect your spirit world experience. And as someone who has dabbled in psychedelics, uh, that is beyond accurate. (laughs) Vibes are important. Sure, yeah. They matter. Uh, He said of coveralls, uh, this one is about moving quietly and blending in. Being invisible isn't always bad. Again, I feel that. Respect, same. He also noted uh, a lot of these songs got different titles because he said he has a tendency to do two-word song titles and he was sick of doing that. So he he tried to mix it up a bit. Jumping Coffin, like I said, really like. uh, That's probably the last of the bunch that... uh, Again, if it was broken into like two parts and I could digest it like that, which it is on record technically because this is two... It's a double LP, two clear records. I didn't. I did it in one sitting. And jumping plot or jumping coffin. Uh, he said this talks about how if you feel an energy from the this is how when you feel uh, an energy from the other side you should let it in. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with that sentiment. I've, I've, I'm growing up in the church and turning away from that so hard. Sure. Yeah. You kind of close yourself off to spirituality as a whole in yep. a lot of respects, 
And in the since meeting my wife, I have tried. So for the past almost seven years, it will be in October. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Seven years. Okay. Um, uh, I, she's very spiritual. She is, she's a, a, a witchy woman. <laughs> uh, and I mean that with all the love and respect for the word possible. Yeah. Uh, she is very in tune that way. And it's rubbed off on me. I'm much more open to cool. it these days. Yeah. Uh, astrology. I still think I give it a little, little side <laughs> eye, but she loves it. It's fine. It's great. I find it fun. I find yeah. that stuff fun. And when it says scary stuff, it makes me mad because I'm like, <laughs> why is it saying the bad stuff? Um, yeah. Uh, flies is the first, uh, r- yeah, first really short song on the record. Uh, there are only two that are under a minute, which I think is an interesting and odd choice, which is why I think they could be cut. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other like short one is Dog Dog at the Door, but I like that one <laughs> more than these. Uh, but again, I really like Flies and one, uh, 1 to 10. I think 1 to 10 is really interesting sonically, but they could be cut because they just kill the flow. Like They don't make any sense to me yeah. personally in the context of the album. Uh, and Ace said about this one, and I mean, it's kind of clear the song's about fruit flies, but he's like, this is about fruit flies. I've been digging these super short songs and plan to do more, which I'm cool with, just not in the context of an hour long album, please. Uh, some stuff doesn't need to be exhausted for two or three verses, but still deserves to be a song. The flies are gone now anyway. I've got one of those UV light traps and it worked really great. <laughs> His notes for this album made me laugh really it's hard. Funny. Yeah. yeah, he's just being so candid. Were there any from this point that like stuck out to you? Did you have any notes? Uh, no, I think the only one I I had noted was button masher, but okay. I think I have very similar feelings to you where it gets, it gets a little long. It just gets a little long. Again, none of these songs are bad. Um, I think, uh, Ad- yeah, Attaboy stood out to me as a later one. Uh, this one he said is like really just him being moody in a journal. And I'm like, yeah, you can tell. And I like it. It's it's really personal. It's a really strong later track. I liked Kotakushi too. Um, I mean, I named a song after it, so it's immediately... I have a song title for that. So it's going to catch my eye this time around. Uh, and it's also a highlight of that song. He said, uh, this is about the lonely side of the spirit world and knowing you're only there because you don't belong anywhere else. I feel like I'm there when I pursue when I pursue my creative interests and have largely enjoyed taking advantage of the kind of isolation. Uh, but it can surely be a path towards spending too much time alone, working in a room by yourself. What a dream. What a nightmare. And I, oh my God, I relate to that sentiment entirely because, I mean, we're solitary creatures, Randy, you and I. Yep. We like Definitely. our space in a lot of ways. As a married man, it can be tough to, Get your space, but uh, sure. music is a good time to have that space. And yeah. uh, that sentiment really uh, rang true with me. Um, from here, uh, I didn't really have any specific highlights outside of Marble Cake, I think is a fucking great album ender. And as you will see uh, in a moment, Ace agrees. So why put the four wins? Um, <clears throat> Fixed and Dilated, he said this song is about pure evil demonic possession and feeling like your flesh might just be a vehicle for dark forces. It's the final level of self-loathing. So I really honed in on that. I really liked the lyrics of it. Um, cause I, a line that I love by the national that I'll get into when we get to the national is yeah. 
I'm evil. <laughs> and it's just that feeling of such overwhelming shame or just like sure disappointment yeah. in yourself. Yeah. That you're like irredeemable and everyone has fucking felt that. Just writers tend to verbalize it in very fucked ways or <laughs> blunt ways. And I love when that happens because I yeah. feel that a lot. And hearing other people feel that just, it does make me feel less alone. What what national track is that from? It's, I don't need anybody else. Uh, uh, okay. I don't need anybody else. Is that on else. Trouble Will Find Me? I think it's on High Violet. Okay. I'm evil. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's conversation sixteen on High Violet. That's an okay. Of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. God damn, I love the National. It's not good. How much I love the National. Their newest album. Yep. Still haven't listened to it. I've listened to it once. Well, well I need to, but we'll yeah, I, I've, I've heard mixed things. It's not bad. I okay. like it. I think I like it more than I'm easy to find. Okay. So yeah. I am easy to find has single tracks that are better than every single thing on <laughs> first two pages of Frankenstein. Hmm. There is, there is a solid eight songs on I am easy to find that would make a perfect like shorter album or long EP. Yeah. It did not need to be 16, 17 songs long. This is shorter, so therefore it's better. Cool. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> being 10 songs long. Um, but what I found interesting is that the singles, which I thought were mostly boring as shit, are some of the most exciting songs in the context of the album. <laughs> and I wasn't mad at it. I was like, oh, these huh. this recontextualized these, and these are actually really cool tracks. I've only listened to it once. I didn't love it. I liked it more than I thought I would. I need to spend more time with it. And I hate the fucking album cover. So I had Same. no interest in pre-ordering it. <laughs> yeah. And I saw it was featuring Taylor Swift and Phoebe Bridgers. And I was like, fuck, what are you guys doing to I me? Saw that too, are you yeah. trying to fucking make me not want to listen to this? That's exactly how I felt as well. Yeah. Oh my God. And then they had a feature by Sufjan and all he's doing is cooing. Weird. Didn't I mean, he just pretty, release like a classical uh, or like a piano album or I something? I thought it was like more of an ambient thing. Okay. Because yeah. he's done that before, but I could be wrong and it could be more piano driven. I think it might be piano. I heard... Uh, I'm about it. Is part he of singing? It, it's instrumental. I think I it's assume. all instrumental. Okay. Yeah, I heard a part of it on uh, NPR All Songs Considered. Ah, yeah. Because we are 93 and you're 97. Yeah. Yep. It's been a while <laughs> since I've listened to it, but uh, yeah, I think, I'm, I think I'm back on it. Cool. I need to check it out. Uh, I, fuck, I fuck hard with Sufjan. And I'm yeah. a... I'm a I think we discussed this maybe even last time. I love, yeah, because I brought up Sufjan writing an ABBA song. That's uh, right. The Ascension. Yeah. I, I think it's a great album, even okay. though yeah. it's uh, not that well loved. Age of Odds, though, is my favorite. I huh. think that's that's probably my favorite Sufjan record. Is Cool. I think that's becoming more of a fan favorite huh. over the years. But when it came out, I was like, this is it. Like, this, oh my God. And then Carrie and Lowell, holy shit. This, al this episode's not about that. <laughs> And I, we, I've got all these records, so we'll talk about yeah. them eventually. But uh, uh, Side Quest uh, is uh, one of the final tracks. This one, I, I enjoyed lyrically because this is just about like, this felt like a summer night in high school because this is about skateboarding at night. Like, that's really what it's about and just what that feels like. It scratches 
it brings me back to walking. I didn't live at a neighborhood with a golf course, but I lived next to a neighborhood that had a golf course. <laughs> sure. Uh, it was, it was, we lived in a neighborhood that pretended to be the rich neighborhood. Okay. Uh, yeah. But we would walk to the rich neighborhood and walk on the golf course at night uh, and smoke cigarettes. And I didn't drink Sweet. at the time. So we would drink root beer and smash the bottles Solid. and smoke yeah. cigarettes and shit. Uh, so this song, just like the vibe of it lyrically really brought me back to that. And then Marble Cake, which I think is a really fucking good song and fantastic album ender. So it should have been. And Aesop said, this is about how the hunt is the prize. Uh, explore all dimensions and know that the value is in the experience, not what you have at the end. The chorus, see, this is him saying chorus instead of hook. The chorus is meant to celebrate life by saying, how I die is not important, how I live is. I like when you are a person who finds value in making art. On your good days, you recognize how much of a privilege it is to explore and learn and create and share. This is almost the last song. This was almost the last song until a late decision where I flipped this in the next one. It's like, you should have fucking kept it. And then four wins, he says, this is about moving forward always. It's less of a finale track and more of a call to keep going. For me, it feels like Marble Cake is kind of the finale track. Huh. And this is an epilogue just to remind you to keep getting your hands dirty. Try to do some cool shit and keep it moving. I kind of like the idea of ending on an ellipses instead of an exclamation point. So there was That's intent. Yeah. yeah, there was intent. I respect it. Yeah. Do I prefer it? I like the explanation. No, I love the sure. explanation. Yeah. And reading that after listening to the album, because I, I sat with the lyrics, but I didn't read these blurbs until afterward. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, like that's fine. But also you probably could have tightened it by three tracks and then this ellipses would have felt a little better. True. Because by yeah. the time it hits, I'm like, okay, this is really long. I think this is the longest out of all of the No, Bazooka Tooth is the fucking longest. Yeah, true. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Bazooka Tooth... I felt the length of because of how many times I had to get up. So I can't judge. I didn't listen to it streaming. I do have to admit, dear listener, I didn't listen to two of these on wax this week. Why didn't I listen to two of these on wax? Which, which two didn't I listen to on wax? Well, the why is because they got fucking wet. That's fair. And the two are Malibu Ken and Spirit World Field Guide. Okay. And it's because those got the most wet. So yeah. I was letting them dry. I didn't want to fuck with them. I was mad. I honestly didn't want to look at them. I didn't want to touch them. I didn't want to look at them. I wanted to blow my fucking head off is what <laughs> I wanted to do. And I thought about it for two full days. Yeah. Oh my God. Speaking of, how do you feel about the album art for this album? I like it. Um, more than Impossible Kid but I don't love it. I like it because of the album layout. Okay. Uh, you got like a gatefold situation. It's gatefold. It comes with these like really cool, uh, like translucent stickers of like the deer and the skull and like all this imagery nice. that's throughout the album art. Yeah. When I first saw it, I hated it. Yeah. It's, it's another <laughs> one that's kind of like fantasy video yeah. gamey. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's very weird. It's not uh, bad, but yeah, it's, it's not it's bad. Odd. And it certainly fits the album. Sure. And yeah. I think Impossible Kid fits the album either. It's just not my personal aesthetic taste. Yeah. Impossible same. Kid comes with a huge fucking poster that I would never put up in my house. 
no chance because it's yeah. the artwork, which is also sucks that it got wet because it's one of those like slide outs. So it, mm-hmm. there's like the cutout of the triangle that's on the front of the album. And when yeah. you pull it out, it's that giant poster. And now that's wet and all fucking wrinkled. Oh, Randy. Big bummer. This podcast is going to kill me. That's what we've gotten. To. <laughs> uh, standout track for me is uh, The Gates. And that's the nice. technical first song of the album. So it is kind of a, a rough ride for me at a certain point. Um, but I love Pete's, like I said, the first 10 tracks are really, really fucking strong. Button Masher is probably my close second. Would you nice. say Button Masher's your top? Yeah, yeah. Button Masher's my top. Yeah. And uh, that's Aesop Rock, at least what I've got. We nice. did it. Yeah. That was hefty. It was, yeah. Like I said, the album length didn't didn't really help, but uh, yeah. yeah, it was nice to have. I've, I found them actually, especially the last two of his solo albums, really good albums to listen to while I was working. Yes, they are. I have a, uh, they're very, and they're long, so they're driving. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. True. I have a, uh, like an IT room that I could go to where I need to like take care of things and people won't like bother, bother me every you, 10 yeah. minutes. And I just put the headphones in and then beautiful jam through the last two. And it was, it was, yeah, it was very good, uh, working music and also very good walking music. How do you feel about Aesop in the context of you and your relationship with hip hop in general? Like, do you, does this make you more intrigued for certain facets of hip hop? Is this something? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Is this something that is something that you enjoyed, but realistically you're just probably not going to add to your listening repertoire because it's hip hop? Yeah, probably yeah. more of that. Yeah, um, that's fair. I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, what we listened through this week. And uh, I think the, I enjoy that kind of like, I don't know what what kind of, style it's kind of more like alternative hip-hop or underground, underground or whatever hip-hop. yeah yeah i don't i don't know how to classify yeah. any of this shit but. i think the only thing i remember listening to back in the day that maybe would be kind of similar is uh atmosphere it was another oh white yeah, rapper. Yeah, yeah he was on like epitaph and stuff which I is why i think i knew who he you was love the people that love you sounds familiar yeah he, that song has the line uh Fuck off, asshole, jerk off, dirt ball. You love the people that... Slug, I think, was his name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got into underground hip-hop for a minute, but it was like only like four or five guys. <laughs> like, that was it. Yeah. And I didn't branch out. So, like, Bus Driver and all that shit was happening at the same time. I didn't know about Bus Driver until, like, four years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, haven't heard of him until right now, so... Okay. Well, yeah, he was bigger. Like, Open Mike Eagle and, like, all of okay. that stuff like yeah. that. Open Mike Eagle has done a song with Aesop and... I think actually for a B side of this album. Oh, okay. Or it might be the one after this or before it. I don't know. They've done shit together. Um, I'm a big open mic equal guy as well, even though I only own, own one of his records. Yeah. I think a big part of me when it comes to other genres that I'm not familiar with is they uh, being paralyzed by choice, especially mm-hmm. when there's so much. Yep. And there's like so much to dig into, especially with the lyrics uh, so of Aesop and stuff. It's like, there's so much stuff to dig into. Like, even if you just want to deep dive on one album and then like, look at all these notes that he like said, yeah. like what song, what each song is about. There's like, there's so much out there that I kind of just like revert to listening to my same 
10 records I listen to all the time. I fucking feel that dude, the amount Which I have makes listened. this a good exercise. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's why like I own all this shit. I need to fucking listen to it more often. Yeah. Or why am I owning it? Just to be like, look at this cool water damaged thing. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill myself. Do we have to, are we going to get censored now? Because I said the words. I don't think I so. can't, I, I didn't say unalive myself. It's like in pretty God, deep. I like think the we're good. God damn youth. I don't have a problem. You have a fucking problem. <laughs> so next week, Randy, yep. we're going to stick with my collection. Just so y'all are aware. We're not, I'm not forcing this on Randy. He chose to do this. True. And we're going to get to his collection. We're not going to do it next week. Maybe not the week after. We'll throw some in there soon. But they're going to happen. And it's not going to be like a record. We're going to do a chunk like we're doing mine. So fucking chill. Jesus Christ. I'm already making up that people are mad at me on episode two. Hey, probably are. They probably are. My, fucking everyone's mad. If you want to email us, you could email us at thevinylflooratl at gmail.com. If you have complaints or uh, anything else nice you want to say to us. Or you can find us on Instagram at thevinylfloorpodcast. Nice. Which we are there. Uh, we might get a Twitter. I don't know. Elon Musk is a freak, and I don't. Th- I don't think I need to run another goddamn Twitter right now. Yeah, it's a dumpster fire. So we'll just stick with the Instagram for the time being. And in case y'all want to listen along with us next week, we are going to be covering three. Three. I literally divided the amount in my head. It's six. <laughs> We're going to be covering six records. These are not all LPs. Actually, only one of them isn't. The rest are. We are going to be covering five releases by one of my favorite punk bands. Nice. Of all time. And one of my, arguably one of my favorite musicians, songwriters of all time. Cool. Uh, Against Me. Uh, We will be covering their albums, Reinventing Axl Rose, Transgender Dysphoria Blues, 23 Live Sex Acts, Shapeshift With Me, the 7-inch single Stabatha Christie, and then we transition to the band Age of Apocalypse and close out the episode with their album Grim Wisdom. Nice. That is a curveball. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it. I mean, I don't know know Age of Apocalypse, but I can guess by the, the title. So they are very different from Against Me. Uh, yeah. You know my undying love for the band Twitching Tongues. Sure, yeah. Age of Apocalypse is essentially, Twitching Tongues is still active. Uh, they haven't put out any new music in a moment, but uh, Age of Apocalypse is kind of picking up the torch and doing what they're doing. Um, the opinions of this style are divided, <laughs> I'll say. Yeah. I am supremely curious what you are going to think about age of apocalypse <laughs> after saying that you think John Darnell has an acquired taste true or yeah. acquired voice. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. You are, I, you know, against me, I assume you're familiar. I is. do. Yeah. yeah. Um, more of the earlier albums. Mm-hmm. And this was another album that some of my, fr- or another band that some of my friends loved. Ah, okay. And whenever we would, you know, be driving together or whatever. They had it on. I always enjoyed the songs, but it was never something that I like on your own. Felt myself getting into on my own. Yeah. And it'll be interesting because we have their first album, Reinventing Axl Rose, and then I don't have anything in between uh, the time that they first released music and when uh, their vocalist transitioned. 
okay. to Lord yeah, Jane yeah. Grace. So we have their very first thing back when they were the scrappy young punk from Florida to after they had already gone through being on a major label, coming out as trans and releasing transgender dysphoria blues on their own. Nice. I think it shows a great arc, but I, I love all the albums in between. I just don't have them. Yeah. It's just one of those things. I just haven't bought them yet. I bought the albums that I loved the most reinventing Axl Rose transgender dysphoria blues. I love Shapeshift with me. A lot of people think it's kind of, uh, mid level, but, mm-hmm. and I will say mid level. I won't say mid because <laughs> I'm 93 years old. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to, if you want to check out, uh, what we're going to be doing for the next week, that's what we got. This is going to be a lot shorter. These are punk records. Uh, the longest True. thing is the live album, which is an hour and a half. Um, cause they play a fuck ton of songs. Um, the outside of that, the longest album proper is shapeshift with me, which is still under 40 minutes. So we're not in for anything too, too, too rough. Sweet. Yeah. It should be fun. You got anything to, uh, update the world on Randy? Uh, no, we got the, the plugs in there. I will also just say that our artwork, which you should see on the podcast app of your choice yes, yes, yes. is done by Robbie Smith, uh, filmmaker, musician, uh, good look friend. Yeah. Look him up. He's got a, uh, a film called grieve coming out soon and, uh, yeah, check yep. him out. He's a great, great guy. We'll hopefully have him on the show sometime. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be on here. And uh, as always, feel free to check out my my widow band. Please check out my widow band. It's called Clot. We're called Quat. And uh, you can find us at Clot Noise on everything. Uh, Clotgrind at gmail.com. Uh, we have an album out coming out. I don't remember at this point when it will be. This is it's this month if it's already out. Or probably right around here. Probably yeah. right around this time. Check it out. It's called Grief Tethers. It goes <clears throat> and and it's really heavy. So I think you guys will like it if you like heavy shit. And outside of that, uh, Randy, I'm looking forward to diving into this. I already listened to Against Me all the goddamn time, so this is going to be easy. <laughs> nice. And I listen to Age of Apocalypse because I'm a fucking nerd. So <laughs> uh, 